Welcome to all of you out there. It's the boys from Rotosaurus, and we are back, and we're bringing you the high stakes heat. I am Jake Halsker. You can find me at the Dustmite on Twitter, and across from me on Zoom, I I think he's there, but all I see is a a blank silhouette with the the faint outline of a baseball cap on the top of his head. Dave, is that you? Uh, yeah, I'm not allowed to confirm nor deny uh, because we are in a lockout right now. I don't want to, you know, commit any. Uh, felonies or uh violate no. any figure federal regulations here so don't do I'm that gonna, i'm going to keep you in the dark on the other end yeah and we're, we're not going to use your imagery in any of our marketing anything like that i do not give you permission to so you better not all right just please don't sick your uh, multi-million dollar retainer lawyers on me please yes um or justin mason or just i mean what what, what would he do to you i uh, well, I mean, you follow him on Twitter. There's there's a lot of weird things that go on in, in Justin I mean, Mason's world. His wife, sure, she'd scare the <laughs> shit out of me, but I don't know about Justin. I mean, uh, as as I'm wearing my Justin Mason main event shirt today with the with the uh, emergency plus sign on it. Yeah, the Amber Lance. The Amber Lance, yes. Yeah, that's uh that is one of the uh, the high quality ones from Rotoware. That's for sure. It is part, He's, of, uh, part of the ultra amazing Justin Mason collection. <laughs> yes uh which he wears the ever growing collection somehow <laughs> i don't know how that dude has like 40 shirts and it keeps keeps going i i mean he keeps buying them so i guess they're gonna keep making them <laughs> 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 so they know that they're gonna get at least one sale out of out of each each shirt that they added the collection but uh yeah this is a good one and he is right like the quality on these is excellent. oh yeah um, absolutely shirt is they do run small, so you, you definitely want to order up a size, but uh, they are very, very comfortable. No doubt. I have a couple, and I'm, I enjoy wearing them very much. And um, any chance I get to wear something that trolls Justin and talks about injury risk, I mean, you got to do it. Especially when you're going to be recording with him after this. Uh, yeah, immediately after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I'm trying to fit two <laughs> pods in starting at 9.30 p.m., <laughs> <laughs> on a Tuesday, on a no shit. What day is it? Thursday. This Thursday. Thursday. This, is, this is still pretty good for me. This is early for me. Ooh, oh yeah, this is way early for you. But you don't yeah. have another three-hour pod after this for. You. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dave, Justin, and Michael Govier, uh on one pod together, and you expect it to be under two hours. You're no, you're no, God no, God no, no. I told them I said get ready for a late pod tonight, boys. And uh, Govia is like, <laughs> this all right. Is I the mean, continuation of the first iteration. Yeah, well, I mean, we had, uh, as we're going to get to here quickly, uh, the free agency bonanza where everyone and everyone uh, signed everywhere and anywhere other than the Indians. They they didn't. Do oh, shit, no. Oh, but... no. We're saving that for the. Oh, no, yeah, we are. saving that. But for we literally had to just make it an all news episode, which is mostly what you and I are doing today, because with the lockout, we're not going to have any news for like two months. So at least in terms of player movement. Yeah. Yeah, not not like anything significant like this stuff. So, you know, all there's been this huge flurry and we have to cover it. You know, I mean, people want to hear the thoughts about this stuff right when it happens and uh, nothing else is going to happen for a couple months. So we're not going to be talking about this stuff anymore. There's probably not even going to we're not even going to really need a new segment on our pod to begin with. So might as well just get into it. Yeah. Um, and even since you guys recorded on it was Monday, there's yeah, been we, other moves since then. We got to fit it. We got to. Like shoehorn a bunch of other stuff. I, I literally added another 10 news items that you and I both added another like almost dozen news items that we didn't cover on my pod with Justin from just two days ago. Yep. So let's dive right in. As you said, let's do um, it. Starting with 
one one of the loves of Dave's life, Justin Verlander. <laughs> did he sign? Did he not sign? We we assume <laughs> they had an agreement, but it was never uh, culminated, uh, I, consummated. I mean, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was his brother who reported it, right? It was Ben Verlander, I think. Is that his brother? I, I don't think that's that his brother. Is it not? I don't think so. Was somebody lying to me? So he might have been lying to me. I, I really don't think that's his brother. I could be wrong, but I didn't think there was a relation there. But anyway, uh, supposedly he signed with the Astros for one year for $25 million, uh, with a player option. So a two-year uh, kind of deal for $50 mil. Right. Um, didn't go through yet. It was announced a while ago, it was announced well over a week ago, but it never became official. It is his um, younger brother. I just looked it oh, up. It is. Damn, his well, brother. I'm an idiot. I didn't know that. I thought it was yeah. just a, a coincidence. No, someone said it recently. Right. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I, di- I didn't know until recently. OK, well, color me incorrect. Um, I shall. So did, <laughs> and you did. Uh, so did he see Max Scherzer contract and, and have cold feet? Or was there something else going on beforehand? Because the Scherzer deal was was days after Verlander's stuff came around. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like that would be the case. I mean, if he's, you know, I mean, more or less two years older than Scherzer, hasn't pitched in two years. Scherzer's coming off of a Cy Young caliber season. If he's expecting to get the same amount of money as Scherzer, I mean, that's that's ridiculous in my opinion. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't see how that could be the inf- I mean, obviously it's probably in his head now that he's going to try and get more since the deal was never finalized. But yeah, the fact that two years, 50 million at age 39 uh, coming off of a season long injury. Yeah. Coming off of missing two seasons. How do you not take that? I don't, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And the second year is a player option. It's not even a team option. So, right. Right. (laughs) I mean, even if he blows out again, he could pick up a $25 million check for nothing. Right. And then retire. So, you know, I think it goes without saying as far as, you know, fantasy implications, you know, um, he, he has the ability, you know, when he plays, but he's going to be rusty. And that's the thing. People are going to draft him saying this is Justin Verlander. And like I always say, when you're coming off an injury or, or years off, you're not getting Justin Verlander. You're getting a watered down version of Justin Verlander. You, you know, you're not going to you're not getting the stud ace. You're getting a, a very lesser version of him. And that's, I mean, what are your expectations for innings? I mean, I'd be shocked if he pitched over hundred innings this year, frankly, at least at the start, you're definitely getting a watered down version. Uh, yeah. He's almost 18. When did he have the surgery? Was it, was it in the middle of I the got 2020 it season? It's, it's October 1st of 2020. Okay. So he, I thought they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And then he, thought he was coming back at the end and then didn't. And then they had the surgery. So yeah, he's not even 18 months removed when the season starts. That's kind of like the threshold of you feeling somewhat comfortable. Um, Well, that's when you start, like you're able to start pitching, but you still have to get it all back. Right. You got to imagine the command is not going to be there. No. Um, And then you're paying a, on average, a a 10th round pick for him. And in terms of the 80, we're going to use NFPC ADPs from three weeks ago uh, in 15 teamers. So there's been 11, 12 drafts. In that in that time frame, draft champions, he's going at an ADP of 140, 139 and a half, uh, with a with a low pick of 78. Would you be taking him in the sixth round, let alone the or the tenth round, let alone the sixth? Uh, I mean, obviously not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I'm still looking for production at that point. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not swinging for the fences. Um, you know, I I you know, if you can get him in the tenth. I get if it. You've had an ultra safe draft up to yeah. that point. Yeah. And you, you need like that upside 
and you're just like, look, uh, if he if he it happens to eventually come back and get some innings in, he could be close to his old self. I, I don't see it, but it could happen, you know, by, by midseason or a second half at some point. You know, he could get it back, but there's also the possibility that, hey, he's 39 years old and maybe he's not ever going to have those days again. Because even before this, remember, before the Tommy John, he was talking about how he had to change his arm right. slot and his mechanics and all that yeah. stuff because that was why was we putting... were so off of him in 2020. Exactly. Cause it was putting too much stress on him. So why have we all of a sudden forgotten about that? And we're just going to assume that he's going to go back to being like, he's going to forget about that and going back to pitching how he was before where, you know, cause he's talking about wanting to pitch another 10 years, which is crazy. He's not going to, but I mean, if he has any semblance of wanting to stay healthy, he has to change something. And so if he's going to change something, how do we know how effective he's going to be? Are we just saying because he's Justin Verlander, it's just magically going to happen? Yeah, and now he's compensating for a whole new procedure. Um, I mean, there's just too many question marks. I mean, their, their elbow wasn't even the issue in 2020. It was a myriad other you know, body ailments, uh, aches, strains, um, stiffening, that kind of thing. Like he, yeah, look, When you change your delivery that much to avoid having injury, you know that there's other injuries that are looming. Right. And now you throw an elbow that he has to recover from a new ligament on top of that, regain his command. You assume his velocity is going to be fine because he's pretty far removed. But yeah, he's I mean, he's he was already... already a guy that was prone to giving up homers despite his high production. He was a he was a guy that gave up a lot of dongs. So there's a lot to worry about. He was already he he is supposedly sitting 93, 94, and he probably needs to be like 94 or 95 to be effective. But I mean all things considered being it's if, if he is indeed sitting 93, 94, like the reports are saying, that's, that's, that's good. I mean, that's, that's encouraging, but that's just one piece of the puzzle, you know, just the uh, velocity is only one thing. And, and like you said, and that's something that I've pointed out to people before, when you get hurt, it's not so like, let's say you hurt your arm that when your body is trying to compensate for that arm, you're, you might hurt your shoulder or your forearm and people don't think about that. They just think that like, okay, you know, sh- like your, your, uh, your biceps, if that's the problem, then you fix the problem and then you're good to go. It doesn't always work that way. Like you're talking about other injuries will pop up because you're trying to compensate for that injury. Yeah. Especially and these if are, you are doing something so strenuous to your entire body as, yeah. as torquing it completely around and throwing a projectile 95 plus. Right. I mean, there, there are so many pieces that have to be working in sync and when something's out of sync other things are going to change to compensate for that and that's where problems develop um well this next one was puzzling this is a fairly recent one and i i mean i can't put i can't make heads or tails out of why it actually happened marcus stroman going to the cubs the cubs who have been casting off everything possible um signed a guy you know he's, he's a pretty solid second starter, third starter MLB, but to a three-year, $71 million deal for a rebuilding team that has jettisoned a lot of assets the last couple of seasons. What's going on here? I have no idea. What are I mean, they the, doing? The best I can say is we haven't seen the whole picture yet, so maybe they're going to, I mean, I don't know anything. For, I mean, I, do they have a lot to trade at this point? I, who? I mean, <laughs> I'm not a dynasty guy, so I don't know their whole farm system, but I mean, I don't think it was that good. No, I don't think their farm system is very good at all. And this is just off the top of my head, granted, but like I'm looking right now and like their overall guys, they've got Brennan Davis is really good. 
He's an outfielder. I mean, you got like Kevin Alcantara, and that's pretty much it. Like those are their only and Reginald Preciado. I don't know. Really, Brennan Davis. No, is the no only... they have Clint Frazier now, Dave, too. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I forgot about that one. We didn't put uh, that in the rundown. Sorry. Yeah, well, he'll be he'll be in their minors because <laughs> he's a cancer and uh, nobody wants him. Um, no, I mean, all I can think is either they're going to I mean, I guess there's the possibility that they could turn around and flip Stroman to, to someone. I don't know. Maybe they just thought it was too good of a deal. Or maybe they're just trying to pretend like they're trying to comp- compete. I don't know. Too good I, of a deal. Really, I mean, it's like $24 million. No, I, I'm not saying Ooh. that. Maybe that's what they thought. I have no idea. I have no clue. Because they also signed Wade Miley, remember? Yeah, right. It's kind of like, I mean. It's like they want to be halfway competitive and, and have that one kind of centerpiece in the rotation. But I. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like they want to have a good rotation and just hope that their offense does well enough to compete. But. I mean the the NL Central is weak. Um, yeah, but I don't. It's really hard to see this team competing with that offense unless unless they make a couple of big offensive signings. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, I mean they're still going to be trotting out guys like Jason Hayward. I mean they did sign Harold Ramirez. That's another one we didn't put in the rundown. Jeez, what were we doing? Uh, uh, I dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> no, they they traded for him from the Indians for cash. So Indians making that money. I, the Indians have made more money than they've lost so far this offseason, but we'll get to that later. Um, I mean, y- you like, you know, guys like Nico Horner, but they're not uh, world beaters. And he's I mean, another one injury risk for him, too. So I, I don't know what it, I think I mean, it's like you're saying. They're hoping their rotation can carry them even. I mean, their pen is kind of iffy after the first three pieces. I mean, you've got, um, you've got, you've got Horner, you've got uh, wisdom, but he's kind of gross, but yeah, you've got oh, Ian Happ, you've got Ortega is fine. Schwindel had Frank a good season. Schwindel. Yeah. Um, if you yeah, sign, there's a lot like, of talk about Contreras getting traded, right? That's the thing. It seems like they're still selling off. That's why the Stroman signing makes no sense. I mean, if they sign like, you know, Castellanos and someone else, maybe this, this could be a potentially good team sneaky good i guess you could say but i mean i don't know i i really don't know i mean they don't have a closer their bullpen kind of blows i i i don't know man i really couldn't tell you what that was about yeah uh so are you considering him i mean he he's somewhat elevated uh he's a, he's an 11th round pick he's at 166 i guess that's 12th round technically in a 15 uh min pick 130th or 130 any chance you're taking him as your fourth starter there's a chance if I needed to, but probably not. I mean, that that looks like a really good place to be taking a hitter to me. There's, there's some, there's some good guys. bats in there. Yep. There's a lot of bats going in that area where I like them a lot more than I'm liking what I'm seeing from the pitchers in that area. Uh, so probably not. That's fair. I haven't been a Stroman guy pretty much ever. Um, just never thought the, the K rate was going to be there. Right. Um, now in, in the weak division he's in, uh, well, it's not a great park though. So there's, yeah, there's it pluses. Is, I mean, with, with an depends. offense that is not generally going to carry him to victory. That's uh that's a tough right. one. Yeah, it is. Uh, Chris Taylor goes back to the Dodgers uh, plays all over the place. Really, really solid player. Just, just does all kinds of things for you. Uh, had a really good two fantasy seasons in a row. Goes back for four years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they can slot him in wherever they want. Uh, hits. He can hit top of the lineup. He can hit in a run producing spot. Just a guy I, I'm not shocked they brought back because he's just been so versatile and so useful for them these last 
what, five years since 2017. He's been yeah. pretty integral for that team. Yeah, I mean, $15 million a year. Uh, I think that should tell you that they plan on playing him pretty much every day. Now, yeah. they might move him around from position to position, but uh, I, I think you can pretty much count on that guy playing, you know, six out of seven games moving forward, which is, honestly, it's, it's a good sign to know what you're getting because I feel like coming into 2021, I didn't know what the playing time situation was with him. So, um, you know, and he had a really good year, and I, I'm expecting him to take a little bit of a step back, but I think he's – it's pretty safe to say that they plan on playing him a lot. Yeah, I would agree. So, um, especially when you got, uh, you know, the question marks with Muncie now too on the infield. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, Bellinger, God knows what's going on with him. Pollock is always a risk to get hurt. I mean, he's getting older and more brittle. Turner is <laughs> Turner's 37. Justin, that is. So there, there are a lot of opportunities for him to get in the lineup. Um, and he's, he's, pretty much cemented in the lineup, even with all those guys in there for the most part, unless yeah. they, I, I mean, I don't see them playing Lux over him. It, they'll, they'll find somewhere else to put him if they want to play Lux. That's pretty much what it comes down to. I think so too. Um, and you mentioned Max Muncy, uh, you know, and we found out recently that his elbow injury was more serious than he let on. You know, he was saying it was like, um, I forget what the, I said on the other pod with Justin uh, on Tuesday, but it was, like uh, not inflammation, but something uh, like a sprain. I think it was an elbow sprain. And then he said, uh, plus uh, more damage in quotes. Yeah. Um, and now we find out it's a UCL tear. So it's like, okay, uh, you're now on my do not draft list. So, yeah, um, he just uh, actually went in the draft that I'm a part of right now. My first ooh. draft of the year at 133, right after me. Ooh, ninth round. That is rough. I'm. Yeah, he's pretty much out. You know, it, it was this was going to be probably the year that I would consider drafting him where he was going just because he's consistently returning value. But now this throws a big wet blanket on him. Yeah, he was uh, huge for me in Glarf uh, in my victory. He, you know, in OBP leagues, he's 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 a player um, and he had a triple eligible position eligibility, yeah. I believe. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now not, he's first now, and second, first and second. Yeah. yeah. But um. No, you shouldn't be taking him right now if you're drafting. Yeah. So what did I say? He went at 134, 133 in mine. Um, ADP well, 106, the last. But you know that's that's before the news came out. News just yeah. Came out I, I was gonna say because because we're looking at this from early November, and so his yep. min pick is 77, and his max is 143. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing people have noticed, and now he's starting to go later. Like I don't think you're gonna see him going at 106 right now. I think you'll see him going closer to that. 150 mark uh but people don't know I and mean, this is why you do the early uh you know dcs because people aren't up to date on everything and uh they make dumb picks hopefully and you can get good values on guys and avoid uh things like this what are your thoughts on taylor at 163 we've got triple eligibility for him both middle and field spots and outfield it's too early um for me to know because i have to look i've delved into his underlying statistics because i know i remember thinking like yeah this guy you know was obviously provided a ton of value in 2021 because he went a little later um 163 doesn't seem like a bad spot i just don't know that he's going to be that guy i'm going to be looking to get there um, yeah solid guy gonna score a lot of runs for you probably will hit you 70 to 80 rbi yeah 15 homers 20 homers 10 15 steals perhaps i mean solid player but there are a lot of guys in that range that do that. But 
Yeah. You know, he's in a really good offense. Right. Uh, the runs will be there. You know, runs are an overlooked stat, especially yeah. once you get past the first five rounds, six rounds, finding guys that can score you 85 to 100 runs in the in the mid rounds. That's that's not something to sneeze at. Those those runs can get away from you if you're not paying attention. So he's a good little player. But yeah, he's he's at the high end of where he should be going right now, in my opinion. Depends on where you are. He's versatile. Um, speaking of running or not. Ooh, yes. Speaking of running into uh, walls, I guess. <laughs> uh, chipping your teeth on stakes. Uh, twisting your ankles, making plays in the outfield. Our, our favorite twin, Byron Buxton. Uh, the guy oh, that's he, been he's on all of our twin. teams the last few years. <laughs> yes. Tony's favorite player. Tony's guy that he's been drafting since oh i don't know 2013 yeah I, whatever <laughs> whatever five years before he came into the majors is that's what he's been drafting yeah. i feel like i feel like he's he was on anthony rendon and byron buxton back when they were in in college and he was drafting them in our in our yeah. keeper league back when they were still I, I know he drafted rendon when he was at rice still he had like one more year at rice that's that's yep. been yeah, a couple of those guys were tony's boys um, um re-signs with, with with the twins um on extension, I guess, uh, seven years, hundred million, really interesting incentive package, yeah. um, kind of betting on himself and the twins are kind of betting on him getting hurt a lot of times throughout that deal. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> deal because you know, I if don't he, know, okay. Like, I don't know this betting on him getting hurt. I think it's, it's a hedge, hedging, hedging against, themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, cause honestly for his talent level, seven years, hundred million is not, no, it's not terrible. Cause if he does all. what he did last year, it's, Almost worth it. Right. Um, but as we all know, he will miss a lot of time. He will be on the IL. Uh, I mean, I don't care what you say. It's going to happen. Um, it always does. And for something. I mean, pretty much every year. Like, he's only had one year where he's been relatively healthy. So, anything, expecting anything more than one out of those seven years uh, of health is is expecting a lot. But he's got, he's got some nice incentives for uh, yeah. kind of getting extra at bats towards the end of the season. Like every, every couple dozen at bats after 500 ABs or after 450, something like that, he gets an extra 500 K. Right. Uh, he's got a lot of MVP uh, finalist uh, bonuses <laughs> in there. I mean, the dude has the talent to get there if yeah. he can stay on the field. I don't think there's anybody that doubts that if, if somehow injuries gets turned, get turned off, Buxton could be a perennial MVP candidate. Um, but I think this, I think this deal makes a lot of sense for both teams because yeah, it incentivizes him to stay healthy and play well. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're happy to pay him if he's the MVP, right. if, he, if he gets 500 plus ABs, I'm sure they're happy to pay him that extra, you know, two and a half, five mil or whatever uh, per per incentive. So, you know, it, and that's how he gets that extra money. And he's probably happy because he's guaranteed a hundred million, uh, for a guy with his injury history, that ain't nothing. So, no. I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense for both sides. Is he going to run enough to justify an early fifth round pick? His yeah. ADP and that's right now is 61 in the NBC right. drafts. And you know, it's going to be, he, I think come main event time, he's not even going to make it to the fifth round. Like he's that guy who has stands out there. They're going to take him in the fourth round. He's not going to make it out of the fourth round. Um, you know, it's him and Mondesi, you know, those volatile injury prone, um, you know, guys who have that possibility of elite production uh, in a couple places. The problem with that I see 
is if Buxton wants to stay healthy, he's going to have to run less. And I think that they know that. And I think that they know they have to sit him because the twins became like the Rays, where they stopped playing guys every day. They started resting everybody like a day or two a week. Um, so I think, you know, I think Buxton's going to play at most six out of seven games. If they were smart, they'd probably play him like five out of seven games. But I, I don't know. He's an elite defender. It's tough to take him out of the lineup, but uh, this guy could steal 40 bases, but it's kind of like Mike Trout because he's becoming that middle of the order power hitter now, and they don't need him to run now. Now he's that guy who's bringing in the runs. So he doesn't need to be that top of the lineup guy who's going to get on base and then steal bases and then get driven in. He's the guy doing the driving in. And uh, I think, you know, as you get into your late twenties, um, like I said, Mike Trout, Matt Kemp was the same way. These guys who have a ton of speed, but they just don't use it because they're trying to stay healthy. They don't need to be that guy who's running. They want to be more of the run producers. So you you don't feel that if he's stealing you 15, 20 bases, there's any way he can return value at that point? Or you wouldn't bet on him returning value at that point? Well, of course there is. If he stays healthy, he could be, you know, a borderline first, second round pick. And I think that's, that's what you're, you're doing is you're, you're either betting on his health or you're fading his health. I think you and I are the types who fade his health. So, um, you know, when he's in, he's, he can produce with the best of them. I mean, he's, he's basically a Luis Robert guy. I mean, with more power um, and Robert's going in what third round. Oh no. So, Robert's second. Early second. I mean, he went in the end of my, the first in my in my draft. I'm doing. Oh, right you're now. right. Okay. Wow. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's he's basically Luis Robert. Um, yeah. And That's, he just yeah. he just he just has injury issues, so he can he can be worth that you know late first kind of value if he stays healthy, but. That's not the game that I want to play. Not in the fourth round. So yeah, I think I think there is an argument to be made for taking him there or even a little bit higher if he's at a different position. It's it's hard to take risky outfielders early just because there are so many options at that position. It's funny. I, a lot of people think that outfield is really shallow and they actually target outfielders early. I disagree because even if I don't get them in the draft, it's so easy to find outfielders on the wire. So easy. Yeah. It's the position that comes up obviously the most. Um, not, not that it's tons of studs, but it's guys that are serviceable that you can rotate and you can play matchups and you can stream. And, you know, as we're seeing these last couple of years, that's, that's becoming a winning model. So it, it's worth leaving a couple positions in your offensive lineup to be able to stream guys and not be too tied to them. So, yeah. And a guy like Buxton, he gets hurt. You got to stick him on your on your bench. NFPC. We all know how difficult that is, uh, especially when those pile up early summer. Um, yeah, and I that's mean, I, and that's one of the things I was saying on on uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits is Buxton Mondesi. These are the kind of guys who, if I want a share of them, I'm going to take them in Yahoo because I can stash them on yeah. my IL. Um, yeah, you got three and, outfield and and the replacement yeah. value is insane. Like I can pick up legit good starters uh off the waiver wire because it's so shallow it's a 12 team league but it plays like a 10 team league because it doesn't have as many positions uh that you start every week so um it's much easier to pal to have a guy like that and you can just throw him on your il when he gets hurt and then you can just replace him it's no problem in the nfbc completely different you have a very limited bench if if they get hurt you have to hold them you're not going to just drop them unless they're out for like three months or so 
and even then it's tough. So yeah, it's just NFBC is not the place that I want to be drafting guys like Buxton and Montessi. All right. Uh, much to Steve Cohen's chagrin, Stephen Matt signs with the Cardinals. Uh, his agents spurned the Mets heartless uh, four years, 44 million. So he's obviously a part of that rotation had a bit of a resurgence last year with the blue Jays serviceable. He wasn't, wasn't a, amazing or anything like that. His whip was still pretty high, but proved that he was useful. I mean, in the AL East, it wasn't a terrible season. Uh, eight and a half strikeout, eight and a half uh, K per nine, um, 3.80 RA, pretty good walk rate. Whip was still high. He's hittable. Um, but on a team like the Cardinals with a very, very stellar defense uh, and a guy that does not give up a ton of hard contact, he, he gives up a lot of middling content and weak, weak contact. So, He's a guy that could be serviceable for them. Uh, any interest in Steven Matz coming off of a, a decent season in a tough off or a tough park for offense? I mean, he was in Dunedin. He was in Buffalo. Rogers Center played better. But, you know, he started off the year pretty well in uh, in Dunedin and Buffalo, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he was going from pretty much the uh, nuts, like even better than hitting in Coors with Dunedin and, and Buffalo. Uh, and now going to the Cardinals stadium, which is like a bottom five uh, or top five, if you're a pitcher in park factors. So it's 25th. So really, really good for pitchers. Um, and it's, you know, a much weaker division, you know, not going to be facing right. offenses like the AL East. Um, and this is another year for him to get even healthier. Uh, he stayed relatively healthy last year. Um, you know, 151 innings last year. Pretty good. Yeah, coming um, off of a short season with yeah, his, with off his only, history, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's generally – I mean, he's never gone over 160 innings before. So he's not a guy that you're penciling in for 200 innings. But he should give you, you know, solid stats for um, – Around 300 ADP. That's uh, yeah, 20th like round, it. 21st round. That's I expect fine. that to go up. I expect that to go up, um, especially if people go back and look at Phil's drafts and realize that he drafted him in every single – league he was in last, last year. year yeah yeah uh -huh. yep. granted that was because he's basically free and he was he for his talent level it was just uh and mismatch. he had a job yeah. yeah exactly and that was pretty much what it was for phil um but you know innings good uh pretty good skills for where he was going uh, but i like him there i mean i'm looking at who else is going around him and you know i'll take Lizardo, gonsolin carrasco fulmer i'll take him over all those guys uh, Luis Patino is the one guy who I might take over him, but I have to look into Patino's situation a little bit more. Kikuchi's but, around there too. We don't know where he's going to end up, but that's right. another one. But I think Matt's is probably the safest like guy. If you need like a, just a safe <clears throat> solid innings kind of guy, matchup guy. a lot of good guy. matchup. Yeah. Good matchups. Yeah. yeah. Like you sit him against the rough, uh, streamers, but, uh, play him against everyone else. I think you're going to get a, you're going to be pretty happy with what you get. Yeah. I think that's fair. Price price oh. is definitely not going <laughs> to break you. Unlike the next guy, <laughs> I haven't, it's, we only put him in here for kind of some comedic effect. But the, or, <laughs> the Orioles did do something this offseason so far. They signed uh, a number they, two they starter. Did, they signed a major league deal with a player, which is more than our beloved Guardians did. Uh, Jordan Lyles goes to the Orioles one year for checks notes. Seven million. <laughs> was he was he good last year or something? Uh, you know, not with um, Texas, was he? I mean, Texas was a great place to pitch last year, and he was he was with Texas, was he not? Uh, I wish I would have looked this up ahead of time. Yeah, he yeah, was no, with Texas he, he last was year. with Texas last 180 year. One hundred eighty innings. Maybe they're betting on that uh, that longevity, but that 
7.3 K per nine and that 5.15 ERA definitely screams 7 million to me. Well, I was reading, uh, I think maybe it's this change up or no, sorry, slider um, <clears throat> that Eno Saris was talking about how he could take a big step forward with yeah that. 19 we were talking about that but right i mean right. i remember i remember that because i had him on a couple of teams in 19 because of now, said slider technically he did take a big step forward his era in 2020 was 702 ah. last year it was all the way down to 515 yeah he shaved two runs off okay so, all right and, it, know, and his whip went off, down 0.17 yeah he shaves off 139 and now you know he's and, not, and I mean, Cam, camden yards in the al east is definitely a place to be shaving off <laughs> Yeah, ERA and and that's what it is, right? Like, are you ever going to feel comfortable rolling out Jordan Lyles versus the Red Sox versus the Rays versus the Blue Jays versus the Yankees? The answer is no. At home or on the road, never. For pretty much any literally, of those. <laughs> literally never. So, <laughs> other than like when he's facing like whoever he's playing in in inner inner league play, or maybe he'll get like, him Pirates matchup, and yeah, or maybe like you know we'll get the Guardians, getting the, the Guardians or something like that. Okay, cool. <laughs> maybe you roll him there if you're desperate, but no, I'm I'm not interested. Horrendous. Okay, I I mean seven. I I just can't fathom. I can see bringing him in for three, to to eat innings for you because you suck. But wow, bad organizations stay bad, man. I mean they they got a whole new leadership there. I mean they, they were supposed to be turning things around there, and then they're signing contracts. I I don't know. I mean I guess they got a lot of money to play with because they don't really have any contracts. But I mean Chris Davis retired and <laughs> saved them all that money, so they got to use it somehow. Uh, Mark Melanson goes to the D-backs, uh, kind of in a shock. We, we didn't see this one happening two years, 14 million, same amount as Jordan Lyles. I mean, totally, <laughs> totally worth the same amount of money as Jordan Lyles. Uh, yeah. the D-backs finally have a closer. Uh, do we care? Yeah. I mean, we do just cause he's a closer. Um, but I won't be targeting him because he's on the D-backs and, his opportunities are going to be severely limited there unless they make some massive changes. You know, I don't, um, I, good for him. He, you know, he got, he almost got 40 saves last year, but this is still a guy who, you know, the skills are still waning, you know, he's yeah. uh 8.2 K per nine and he was up to three and a half walks per nine last year, which was a career worst for him. Uh, I believe, or at least close to, yeah. Well, career worst, unless you count his first season when he, uh, in 16 innings, when he had five and a half walk walks per nine but not counting that career worst walk rate last year so uh yeah i I mean the guy's 36 years old uh he'll be 37 before the start of the season so um you know the velo keeps trending down um i just think it's going to be i think he's a guy that you don't want to ignore uh i would take him over a lot of other guys going maybe around the same time well He's probably going high still because of the fact that people yes. he's coming off of playing with the Padres. Yeah, his, like his going, ADP is one sixteen in these yeah. drafts. One seventeen. I mean, like that's I, I, that that has to plummet. I mean, he has no. to be closer to two hundred for that to be doable. Yeah, on a team that you, I mean, you you can't even be sure they're going to win seventy games. For for him to get thirty saves, he would have to save almost half those wins. That's right. kind of ridiculous to expect that. Right. And then you got the um, waning skills on top of that. And it's just, yeah. And he went in the eighth, he went in the eighth round in the draft I'm doing right now. Eighth round. That's, wow. I mean, he went right around that ADP. That's, that's pretty ridiculous. So that's the thing. When people talk about, well, I don't want to take a closer in like the fourth round, I would much rather take a bona fide stud closer that I don't have to worry about in the fourth round than take a guy like Melanson in the eighth round. Like that's, I can still get really good hitters or starters in and the eighth for, round. For context, you had guys like, 
Jordan Romano going the round before Giovanni okay. Gallegos, Gallegos going the round before. Yeah. Um, I mean, guys that don't have guaranteed jobs, but you can guarantee they're going to have better performance, at least than Melanson in terms of right. delivering you ratio strikeouts, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and, and exactly. yeah, Melanson's 37, you know, he's had a lot of great years, but he is definitely fading. He's never going to give you one K per nine or, uh, uh, one K per inning again. That's, that's just not in his bag. Um, the only thing he's got is a job right now. And I guess he's got his health, but I mean, he, he's got, he's got job security. That's, that is yeah. a key factor. I mean, that, that's that bullpen is factor. a, is a dumpster fire for the most part outside of him. It's a dumpster fire. I mean, he has the proven... has not happened yet. People want that to happen. It could happen, but he's been there I mean, a couple of years now and they, he would, he would have to implode big time to lose that job. Cause he's a guy who has that closer mm-hmm. like tag persona. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming off of a 39 now, granted, um, you know, from 2017 to 2020, the most saves he had was 12. So this isn't a guy who's just been consistently getting saves, but coming off of a, a season that he had 39 with the Padres, I just don't see them removing him unless he's really, really bad. So I think he'll keep the job. Like that's, that's your upside, uh, is the job security, but you can, you just don't want a, the closer of the diamondbacks right now. No, I mean, there, there are so few, uh, there are so few sure things at this point in the off season that I can see why people would, I guess, uh, succumb to that security, but there's going to be far better options that develop. You would think, I mean, once we get a little bit of a better handle on things, um, speaking of closer possibilities, uh, the, uh, the Phillies brought in Corey Knable on a one-year deal for 10 million. So clearly they believe in the skills and the front office is talking like, well, it's, it's hard to construe what exactly they are saying when they're saying it, they're kind of hemming and hawing, going back and forth saying, well, we view him to be possibly the closer. We don't, we're not looking to bring anybody else in right now, that kind of thing. What, what do you make of that kind of language coming from the front office? Do you think he is their guy or are they still looking at guys like Kimbrell and others? Yeah. So Todd Zalecki, uh, who is a uh, Phillies beat writer for MLB.com said no promises have been made, but the Phillies sure sound like they believe Corey Knable will be their closer in 2022. Dave Dombrowski said, we're not necessarily going after a closer at this time after they signed him. So, and he signed for 10, 10 million for a year. I mean, that's, that's clearly closer money. So, you know, honestly, I know, I know that you're really skeptical of this, Um but I see a guy who, you know, back in 2017, uh, you know, was was pretty damn elite. Uh, oh, yeah. 1.780 ERA. I mean, granted, he, you know, he walked a lot of guys. He had a 4.7 walk rate. So that's definitely a risk. But he had 39 saves. And then he followed up the next year with 16 saves. Um, he might have gotten hurt in 2018. I'm not sure that I remember because then he missed all of 2019. I know. And then came back in 2020, but was super. Yeah, it was 18 that I was drafting him, and that's when he got hurt. Uh, No, not 18. Was it? I don't know. Yeah, it had to have been. It had to have been because I didn't draft him in 2019. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not. 2019, he missed the whole year. So you would not have drafted him in 2019. Yeah. But Um, I mean, I I feel like he's regaining his skills. And I mean, because 2018 is when he got hurt and didn't Hater start kind of taking off in 2018 as his replacement? Is that what it was? Because he only he pitched 55 innings and only had 16 saves. 
Him right, coming off his big thinking. year. Yeah, that he must have gotten yeah. hurt mid-season. That's what it was. That's what I was thinking. Okay, because yeah. I did draft him in 18. Because I know when he came off that big, great season in 2017, I, I was drafting him because he was supposed to be there. I mean, he was their guy. Uh, so, he yes, obviously he has the stuff. He has the skills. He's done it before. But hasn't had a full season since 2017. 2018 was pretty solid. Um, the K rate was still there. But his K rate has been down the year since he's come back from those injuries by a significant margin, you know, almost 4k right. per nine. Uh, his swing uh, strike rate though is, was way back up. I mean, his swing strike rate rate was down from, from he was 13 to 14% in 2017, 2018, all the way down to 7% in 2020. And then way back up to over 12 and a half percent this last year. So mm-hmm. while the K rate wasn't quite there, uh, the swing strikes were so, um, I mean, yeah, honestly, and contact this, rates were back down closer to where they were in his his elite years. Yeah, this isn't a guy without risks. You know, he uh, he's not. Um, you know, with the walk rate, with the walk rate, with the health um, and the job security, they're all they're all there. There's risks. You know, there's no question. I'd rather take someone else um, than than have to rely on Canable, but. Knable does have, I think he's a better pick than a lot of people. I think the contract that he got and the words that have been said, um, I don't give a shit what beat writers think, but I care when they're repeating the words of their front office. So if they're talking like he's the closer and they just lost nearest, so he's not going to be muddying the picture there anymore. I don't think there's anybody else really there that's going to threaten him. So uh, yeah, I, I'm interested if I need a second closer uh, and it's that point in the draft. I'm interested. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that point. Um, I, you know, I, I know Dave Dombrowski said what Dave Dombrowski said, but even reading those words, I can imagine him hemming and hawing and stammering and yammering as he's going through that. It, it, there's, there's no definitive statement in anything. He said, he left himself tons of outs. We're not, necessarily looking for another closer at this time. Well, sure. never said, this is our guy. We're not trading for Kimbrell. We're not looking for anybody else their entire off season. I mean, there, there were so many outs in there that it could be true. They might not sign anybody. They might not trade for Kimbrell, but I, there are so many ways that this could go sideways in four months. Plus, I mean, it's the beginning of December. There's so much time for something to happen there. Um, now I agree with you, the options in their bullpen. I mean, Alvarado has shown that he doesn't have the control to be a closer. That's, I mean, he has the stuff, but it's, he's never going to be able to harness it. At least it doesn't look like it. Um, yeah, nothing else really, you know, Connor Brockton had a solid year, but he's not a closer either. So he, his ADP was 423. Now, obviously with this news, it's going to shoot into the probably low, low two hundreds, maybe even a little bit higher as there's no other news going on. I would say 150 um, ish, maybe. Yeah. I mean, the, after the elite stats he put up last year. Um, right. And I, I will I will correct you a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know that Connor Brogdon is, quote, not a closer. I mean, this is a guy who throws 96. Uh, he has like a dozen career minor league saves. I think he could be a closer, but I think that, you know, I don't think he's taking over for Knable unless Knable, you know, blows his, his shot. But that's Brogdon, fine. Brogdon's the other guy there. They also have Sir Anthony uh, Dominguez, who's coming back after, you know, missing 2020 and, and 2021. So who knows what he's going to be bringing, but he was obviously a guy who closed in 2018 a bit. So, um, you know, they, they do have some other options there, but 
I think that Knabel is the overwhelming favorite. The, the problem is that he's only really closed for a season and a half, and that doesn't get him that closer label that other guys have, like Malik yeah. Melanson, who have closed for like five plus years. So, Especially when there's so much time in between that. Yeah. It hasn't been but recent. If I'm drafting, um, you know, I, if it's around like round 10 or something and I need a closer, he's absolutely some someone I'd, I'd take. I don't know where he went in the first pitch Arizona draft where whoever got him got a hell of a steal. Oh, yeah. Because um, I, I think I was looking to take him around like round 20 or so maybe, and uh, I'm pretty sure he went uh, a little bit before that, unfortunately. Uh, since we, we talked about Melanson a little bit ago, he left the Padres. The Padres have a void at the back end of their bullpen, and uh, they brought in a couple guys that have not been heard of in a little bit while. Uh, they've both been overseas. They've both in, uh, been in Japan, I believe. Yeah. Um, now, Nick Martinez was a name that was – uh, well known for his lack of skill back before he went overseas four years ago, uh, had stints with Texas that were less than stellar. Uh, Padre signed him for a four year major league deal, 5 million a year. So 20 million, four years for Nick Martinez, 31 years old, coming back from Japan after posting an incredible year last year. He had like a one six ERA, something along those lines in 23 starts. Um, could they be making a, a home for him in the back end of their bullpen or do they view him as starting depth since, I mean, injuries just ravaged that rotation last year. Uh, I, I don't really, I mean, I thought you were going to stick with the closer, uh, situation and go to Robert Suarez first. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the I other option. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nick Martinez, I don't think they're paying him 20 million over four years to be a reliever. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think he started in Japan, right? Yeah. I mean, that's right. At least last year he was. So I don't know why they would view him as anything other than a starter. Now, what, how, how good of a, you know, how much you can stock you can put into his, his Japan numbers? I have no idea. Um, I will say he's a guy that I would like to take in DCs um, specifically because. He's probably a guy who, I mean, if he, if he works out at some point, you know, he's just going to be a guy you can throw in for some streams here and there. Uh, probably not going to, I'm going to be looking at and redraft, but at a point where you kind of know what you're getting and it's bad in DCs, like if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to take this guy who's an innings eater, but he's not very good. Or I can take Nick Martinez. I'll take Nick Martinez. You know, I, I'll take the unknown over the known, you know, bad to mediocre at best <laughs> kind of guy. Uh, I think Suarez is the guy because he had 42 saves in Japan. Yeah. Uh, I think that's interesting because they signed him for one year with a player option for 2023. So it's a player option too. And Suarez um, doesn't have any major league experience. I thought he had uh, at least minor league experience, but what all I'm seeing on fan graphs is Mexican league. Yeah. Um, in 2015, mind you. So I, yeah. I have no idea because I don't know what his. He's a 30 year old guy. Um, reliever by trade, clearly with the with the closer role that he had over there i mean they might be just kind of throwing darts at this point and hoping something sticks but so they don't have to overpay for something else i i don't know i mean there could be a re reunion with uh kimbrell in the works um yeah, yeah they, they you know they i don't know it, it's a it's a tough bullpen to sort out now that melanson's gone you know we had all we we had everybody telling us it was pagan last year it was pomeranz last year it ended up being melanson and now People have kind of moved on from those names, mainly because of uh, 
of injury to Pomeranz. Um, I mean, Pierce Johnson is still there. He was a darling of people in the, uh, in the draft champions last year. He's a possibility. Pagan is still there. Lamette, who knows what they're going to do with Lamette. I mean, he could be a legitimate closer if they wanted him to be. Yeah. That's there's, a good point. there's a lot of guys there that could step in. Uh, they, they have the skills to step in. It's just Austin, Austin Adams do do? is the guy who yeah. could be the elite closer in that group. And, you know, Emilio Pagan is the guy that all of the beat writers were, you know, jerking off to last year, telling us that he was the closer over Melanson, thus causing several of us dumbasses to drop Melanson before the season started, even though we were very convinced it was going to be Melanson before that. So that's where you never listen to beat writers when it's their opinion. You can listen to them when it comes to them reporting what other people say, just don't listen to their opinion because their opinion means less than probably whatever you're thinking. Um, so I'm looking at Robert Suarez and the thing is like, even in Japan, his K rate was still under nine. Like it was like 8.6, 8.4 K per nine. Like I don't see that translating very well. Like, yeah, he had 42 saves and 25 saves in 2020 in Japan. Ah, you know, I don't know that that really matters. Um, I wouldn't be drafting him assuming he's going to be the closer there. I would think they would look at, you know, Pierce Johnson, Emilio Pagan and Austin Adams even uh, probably before Suarez. Yeah, we've been talking about Austin Adams for a couple of years. He's a guy that just keeps getting hurt and hasn't been able to deliver. But they, there's so many options in that bullpen that it's possible they just stick with all the guys they have, or it's possible Kimbrell. I mean, Kimbrell's clearly going to be available. He's been in – he started his career in uh, – oh, no, I'm sorry. That was his second stop. They traded for they, – they traded him – for him in that big that big year where they were signing everybody and bringing everybody in and then fell on their face the first time. Uh, I feel like that was back in like 2016, something like that. Um, I don't know. So many, so many guys there. Yeah, you're right. There's really nobody there that you can draft even remotely highly. And it's not like they committed three, four years to this guy. Right. Um, so probably not worth, uh, I mean, worth a dart, but that's, that's about it. Um, move on to the Rays. Uh, much has been made of the Wander Franco extension. It was it was a decent bit ago, but we'll bring it up. Eleven years, hundred and eighty-two million for what a twenty-one year old is is Franco twenty-one something like that. Uh, you know, you'd think I'd have all these player pages open, but you know, it's not uh, I it's... think I think I think our listeners are familiar with you, yeah. and they would not expect you to. He is. He will be twenty-one when the season starts. So at least my that's memory what I would have guessed. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you fault him taking a slightly under market deal? for lifetime financial security when you are not even legally able to drink in your stadium after a game? No, not really. I mean, if, as long as you're okay with whatever happens with the Rays and you're, you're I'm ride or die with whatever that happens with the Rays. I don't, I don't need to worry about going to a, trying to sign with a winner or what. I mean, the Rays are a winner. They're, they're mm-hmm. a really good organization. I mean, no, I don't, I don't blame them at all. I mean, so many things can happen. Um, not just injuries, but you know, he looked good last year, but he wasn't a world beater or anything. I mean, he had 288, seven homers, two steals, and 308 plate appearances. I mean, you know, I think he's a good, you know, good defender too, but I, I believe in him. I believe in his talent, but that doesn't mean that there's not, you know, still that risk level and that downside that, that could be there that people are just assuming he's going to be great. I don't know. This could look like a great deal for the Rays, but you know, I, I don't fault him at all for this. So I think it's, I think it made sense for both sides. I mean, it's 11 years. It's yeah. guaranteed money, right? Guaranteed money until you're in your thirties. Um, you know, and he's still going to be young enough money. at that point. Exactly. To, you can to get another big else. deal. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there are 
his his career won't even be close to over when he's done as long as he stays healthy. Um, he drastically improved as the year went on last year. When he came up in June, he was hitting in the 190s, and everybody was wondering if he was going to be sent back down like Kellenick. And then every month, significant improvement in the batting average department, 256 in July, 313 in August, and then the last month of the season, uh, 338. So clearly looked like he adjusted well to major league pitching, yeah. handled himself well, played uh, you know, defense like a major league shortstop. No, no question that he belongs. Is he going to be a fantasy asset when you're taking him in the third, early of the fourth, early fourth round? That's the oh, question. I, I've seen him go in the second more than I've seen him go in the fourth. Uh, oh, is that right? Well, I the don't know that, what his okay. ADP is, but in in sharps drafts, he does not go to the fourth. He goes in the second and third. All right, the one that I'm in, I might not be in the sharps draft. He was at the oh, end of the third. That's right. Um, oh, that I don't want Mikel Franco. Thank you. All right, forty four. So that is right at the end of the third. That's his ADP in the fifteen team NFPC DCs the last three weeks. Now, so right at the end is, of the third, he is on the Rays, so. He will sit from time to time. It looks like they're probably going to sit him like, I would say like twice every three weeks. So not really enough to. For and you still to got bother. guys like Taylor Walls. Um, Joey Wendell is gone. Which... Well, it's just it's just that it's the Rays, so they sit everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think with Wander, they play him the most of any of their regular position players. I mean, they make, they've made him a regularly. face of the franchise with this deal. Like, he's well, I not... think it's it's probably because he's the shortstop and he's really good defensively. I think that's more the reason that they they want to keep him in there every day. But yeah, I, everybody else, literally everybody else in that team sits at least once a week, uh, except for him. He probably sits, you know, like I said, twice every three weeks. So not too bad. Not enough that it should really take too much out of him. So do you like him at the end of the third with no. you know, the, the batting average he's going to give you yeah. um, some power, a little bit of speed. I don't, I don't know if uh, there's enough in that skill set to deliver value where he's going. It could it's, be a situation where, you know, I'm just being too short sighted and, and he's going to have this huge breakout like, you know, Vlad, but Vlad showed a lot more power in the minors. Uh, granted, this kid's only 20 years old right now, you know, like yeah. he's still developing. Um, there could be a lot more power, but, you know, projections have him for like 20 homers, 10 steals, 290 average. He's very good. Like That's it's, it's solid. a very solid production, but. I just think I'm going to want someone with a little more upside there. Uh, Clearly has a significantly strong plate approach. I mean, swinging yes. strike rate, seven and a half percent contact rate overall, 85% zone contact rate, 91. I mean, that's, that's elite stuff from, I mean, that's, you know, what? My, sub, Michael Brantley stuff. From sub, uh, sub one, sub one ten max EV sub 5% barrel rate, right. uh, sub 38% yeah. hard hit rate. It's, you know, I, again, granted, he is a he was a rookie. He's twenty years old. I expect all of those things to get better. Um, I just feel like that's paying too much. I think in like the fifth round, he's great. Uh, in like the second, third, even fourth, I'm just it's not what I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, it's hard to get you know ten to twelve steals from my middle infielder I draft in the first three rounds and then not get significant power from them. He's going to give yeah. you runs. He's going to give you average. He'll give you solid RBI, but you got to have something in one of the other two categories. I think if you're going to be spending that kind of pick tough to do for me, um, 
staying with the Marlins. Uh, they brought in Corey Kluber on a one-year deal, which seems like an ideal fit for him. I mean, they're going to manage him perfectly, as you would imagine. Um, they will not let him throw too long. They will definitely massage that arm and and get as much out of him as they can. They gave him an eight-year, uh, $8 million deal. I mean, only one more million than Jordan Lyles. Can't really argue with that signing for the Rays. Um, you said, okay, I mean, wait, are you talking about Kluber now? Yeah, did I not say? Oh, Corey you said Kluber? staying with you said staying with the Marlins, and I thought you were going. Oh, to go sorry, that's my bad. Then I def- I meant the race. I meant okay. the race. I probably you know why I saw Wendell was traded to the Marlins. Yeah, you brought up the Kluber deal. Yeah, you yeah. you skipped over Kluber in the show notes and went to Wander yeah. next, and then you yeah. <laughs> Might be. I'm I'm nailing it today. Oh, you're fine. Um. Uh, so yeah, Kluber. I so mean, yeah, Kluber. Yeah, he's uh, in that rotation. They're they're yeah. going to use him well. They're going to get as much out of him as they can. Uh, came back last year at the end of the year, looked pretty solid. You know, he wasn't, you know, Cy Young days with the, uh, with the Indians, but yeah, I think those are certainly serviceable. Yeah. I think if you can train yourself to stop thinking of Corey Kluber as Corey Kluber, and again, think of him as a watered down version of Corey Kluber and you take him at a decent spot, but even looking at his game log last year, like, you know, from, from, late may on three innings four innings 3.2 uh, three and two thirds innings four innings six innings four and a third four and two thirds i just don't know if he has the longevity to really i mean he had he had a complete game shutout and an eight wasn't uh, that a no hitter that was shut out yeah yeah he had mm-hmm. uh a night a complete game no hitter and he had an eight inning two hitter so like tw- he had two ridiculously good outings now granted those were against texas and detroit um, I do like that. He's now in Tampa It's a good park for him. It's a good team. Um, the problem is he's still in the AL East. He's still going to be facing those teams. So in my opinion, he's at best a streamer and you're going to be streaming him pretty much when he faces teams like Texas and Detroit, uh, and sitting him against most other teams. That's, that's the way I would look at it. I mean, unless he's going to keep getting healthier and, I don't know, unless the spring training reports are that his fastball is is the best it's looked in th- five years or something. I mean, it's just, it's been so long since yeah. Corey Kluber was Corey Kluber. I mean, we're talking, you know, 2018. So, yeah. and he's almost 36 when the school, when the, uh, the season's going to start. Yeah. Um, you, I, they're not going to let him go five plus innings very often you would think it's and this the is race. the race yeah or, so or like, they could put an opener in front of him that yeah. kind of thing that would he's be not going to be giving you six plus innings per start i i think those days are gone for kluber i yeah. you know he had a great few a years of, of durability yeah it really is i, I think mean, this is a really a like fit. from a, from a baseball perspective a non i mean maybe in fantasy eventually but from a baseball perspective i think it's a really really good fit for him so uh, and we always root for Kluber. Like he's our boy. You know, we, we loved Kluber uh, when he was, when he was with yep. the guardians, well, the Indians, but um, it's just, is he a guy that I'm going to be looking to draft? No, not really. I mean, he, his, before the signing ADP down around four thirties. Sure. I mean, I'll obviously take you there, take him there, but he blasted yeah. up into the early two hundreds after the yeah. signing in the recent yeah. draft. So I mean, that that's pretty much an out at that point. That's yeah. Know, I mean, he, he's going, he's now going ahead of pick almost, yeah, he's now going ahead of like Kyle Hendricks, uh, and you know I'm I'm not doing that. Even Garrett Whitlock, um, yeah, you know, Drew yeah. Drew Rasmussen, 
Josiah Gray. I take all those guys that were clear. Yeah, so. a guy whose innings are going to be managed, uh, who still has health risks, despite the fact that we know the Rays are going to use him well. He he might not pitch the whole season, even at his his limited innings. Yeah, tough to tough to put him ahead of a lot of guys if, in that range. If, if he goes in like the three fifty to four hundred era area, I think he's he's no a, chance. An pick. No chance. I know. I know. No chance on the race. Now now that the Rays brought him in, that hype is there. And, right. you know, it's a name. It's still a good name. Yep. Uh, to make room for Kluber, we've we've already, or I've already mentioned Joey Wendell. Um, heads off to the Marlins. Uh, you know, the, the Marlins are are still a solid team, and they're still looking to improve. Um, do you think he has full-time playing time going over to Miami? I, you know, I haven't really dug into the looking, looking at their lineup right now. I mean, you got, uh, you got Sanchez, De La Cruz, Avasa Il Garcia, who we're going to mention next was also brought in. Um, you got jazz at second, likely Rojas at short. You got Brian Anderson when he's healthy playing third, you know, where, where does Wendell fit in there? DH. Probably. Probably utility. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. if they get the DH, that would help a lot. You got Gary uh, Cooper till still there. Right. Jesus Aguilar still there. I mean, those are DH types right there. Cooper, my God, they can't keep him on the field. He needs to be a DH. No, yeah, well, I mean, he even still, he's going to miss a lot of time. But no, I think I think Wendell's like a super utility player right now. I think he he's going to get time. Uh, he's going to get PT kind of all over the place because you know some of these guys are going to be hurt, and who knows what you're going to get out of like Brian Anderson or. You know, yeah. Brian, Brian De La Cruz is certainly not uh, necessarily a stalwart in the lineup. Um, but I think, I think right now, Rojas, Jazz, uh, Avi, considering the money he got, uh, Aguilar, and Jesus Sanchez, I think they're all pretty entrenched. So I think Wendell's best bet is like third base and then the other outfield position and then DH. Like, I think. Yeah, bouncing around they, Chris Taylor type kind of deal. Yeah, like I think if they get to DH, I think Cooper's going to get the majority of that. But I think he'll probably between DH, third base, and outfield, I think he'll kind of bounce around enough to get playing time. But am I super interested in him? No, not really. Uh, he had a solid little season last year. Um, 11 homers, 8 steals, 460 ABs, solid 265 average. Uh, you know, not getting full-time playing time on the Rays either. That's, that's a decent season for what he had. Sure. Uh, he still has middle and corner eligibility. He's third and short eligible. So he has that utility for you. you I just would expect a lot more playing time with the Marlins than he. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He's, he's going in an ADP of 361 right now. And that's, that's not terrible for, for depth in the DC when those, uh, those injuries are going to be piling up midsummer. And he's a guy that stays healthy. So he's a guy that you can count on to be able to put in your lineup when you need it. Good movie. What that? Midsummer. Midsummer. Good movie. Yeah. Night's Dream. What? The Shakespeare, the Shakespeare uh, rom-com yeah, that they yeah, made. I, f- no. I forget who I'm talking to. No, it's <laughs> it's a it's a horror movie. It, it came out yeah. like uh... definitely not my genre. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh yeah, it's 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 really good, but you'll never watch it. So sorry. Matter. Nope, don't care. <laughs> okay. Avi Garcia, one of my boys from a long time ago. And uh, oh, uh, we all, all have our last all year, of our right? boys last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Avi was on my uh auction like overall. the 300s. Avi yeah. was on my auction overall team, and I, I was drafting him back when you know he was with the Tigers and yeah, slept with Miguel Cabrera's wife and all that other shit that went on there. <laughs> um, but I've always I've always had a place for Avi. I don't know, maybe it was because he because he ruined because he slept with Miguel Cabrera's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slept with his wife. Or, yeah. No, we've never liked Miguel Cabrera. Or was here, it Prince so. Fielder's wife? No, that was Prince Fielder. No, I think I it think. was no, I think it was Miggy. Oh. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Don't know. We hate the Tigers. Sorry, Mike. Uh, sorry, Govier. Um, sorry, but not sorry. Yeah, really. Yeah, we we're not Detroit. Uh, got a four-year, fifty-three million dollar deal. So he is he's entrenched in that Marlins lineup now. Finally got the contract. Yeah. Yep. Um, sneaky sneaky sprint speed, solid all-around hitter. Uh, goes to a worse park, not in Miami anymore. Uh, that's a bit of a downgrade. In, in but, Miami, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But the uh, the playing time is definitely there. Um, with that yeah. big deal, should be. lineup lineup is kind of okay. He's got some guys that are going to get on base in front of him a decent amount, or at least run in front of him like jazz uh, could drive him in. But I don't know. Uh, it's a guy I like. I'm, I'm hopeful that he has a full season with them. Um, he's going at a, a decently palatable price. Uh, it's not terrible despite his, you know, recent solid performance. He's, he's going in the one eighties. Uh, so that's a 13th rounder. Yeah. I, this see for me that's that's way too high for the skills i mean yeah i, I like even him, with but... the guaranteed playing time and the possibility of some more speed i mean he did run a little bit a couple years ago he's got that speed there well i mean he stole 10 bases he stole eight last year like i, sure. I think he can steal 10 again i think he can hit you know low 20s homers but this is a guy who's never really i mean one time played over 135 games and he played 148 in 2015 so you know I don't know. I just, I don't, I, he always has little ticky tack injuries, but I don't care about that. It's really just that he's going to a much worse park. Uh, you know, he's, he's solid. He, I just, it's a bad lineup. The runs and RBI numbers are going to be down. Like he's going around the same time as like Mancini and Nelson Cruz and uh, even Eduardo Escobar. There's just other guys I'd rather take than him. Even coming off his, his best season overall output wise. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not paying an astronomical price for a seemingly career year for a solid well, player with a guaranteed gonna, role. He ain't hitting 30 homers in in Marlins Park. I agree with that. He's not hitting 30 homers, but I mean, he went from a really good park for homers uh, with um, the Brewers Milwaukee. Park. Yeah, and now he's in a bottom. I believe might Eight. be the bottom. Let's see. It is a bottom, yeah, like eight park in 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 homers. So it's just it's a big difference. All right, that's fair. Uh, I'll probably end up with a share or two just because he's my guy, <laughs> and it's not a terrible price. But moving on, uh, we'll, we'll be a guy who on. falls too, uh, especially after the signing. I don't think people are really stoked mm-hmm. about him going to the Marlins. If if he goes down to like, I could easily see him being a guy who goes like falls another forty picks or so, maybe thirty. Two seventeen is his is his late pick. So far, two seventeen. I think, I think he could he could fall to around there, where his ADP is around there. I think. Okay. Uh, Sandy Alcantara got his his five year extension, fifty six million. That's that's pretty unreal. Good. I mean, that's, that's a that's unreal. an amazing deal for them. Uh, yeah, this is this is that, a deal that looks this, like a total horse right now. Yeah, this this is a deal where I do not understand what, why the player would make the deal because this is a guy who's clearly like uh, coming into his role as an ace. Um, you know, the numbers are phenomenal. He's got 97 mile an hour velo. I've said it before. He's basically a Zach Wheeler clone. Uh, they both throw 97. They're both horses. They go 200 plus innings. Um, they're not afraid to throw him over hundred pitches a game. Um, he's just everything you want. in that number one starter, uh, and, and the skills are starting to back that up too. I mean, he had, uh, once he started throwing, 
I always get this wrong. Was it the slider more this year? I believe like in the second half of the season, I think he started throwing a slider more. We talked about it on uh, the episode with, with, uh, with Michael Simeone. And he was saying that's part of the reason that he he's yeah, fading he him this that. year because he thinks like, if he doesn't keep that slider usage up, then his K rate is going to go back down. But I don't know why he wouldn't keep the slider rate up. Um, and this is a, an organization that uh, all of them throw good changeups. Yep. Um, you know, so and he's he doubled got, his use of the changeup last year as well. Right. So he's got he's got two really good off speed pitches and he's got the elite fastball. So, yeah, he was a guy that relied on that fastball so much. And because he was relying on it so much, the caves were not there just because there wasn't a lot of mixture to his pitches. I mean, he was throwing it 60 plus percent for the most part, his entire career, slowly whittling it down, finally got it down to 50 last year. And he's a true three pitch pitcher right now, whereas before I was worried that was never a thing. And he was never going to give you the K's that you wanted from a guy with that velo, kind of like a Nate Uvalde for so long. But he's really shown that he took that next step last year. I mean, he is, as you said, he's a horse. He's he's going the you know full distance every start. He's, the Marlins, as you've reminded me with Pablo Lopez so many times, they they don't like to let their starters go too late in the games, especially with guys like Pablo. They pull him at ninety, but Alcantara is consistently given that long leash every start. They do not rush out and grab him. I mean, he's even had a couple stinkers this year and was left in to absorb the blows because he's their <laughs> guy and he's, he gives you the innings. And, um, yeah, I mean, his, his price is justified right now. He's, he's going smack in the third round right now. He was eligible for arbitration and bought out all his arbitration years and then two more for barely $11 million a year. I mean, that doesn't make a ton this, of sense for him. This is a guy who goes pretty much six innings every single outing. And – the only two times he gave up four runs or less in every single outing, except for two times where he got absolutely pounded. Uh, and that was eight earned runs in an inning and a third early in the season at LA Dodgers. And then at Coors, of course, he gave up 10 runs in under four innings. So, you know, you take out those two outings and how much better even are his, are his stats, or even if you, take him out at a reasonable time. Cause like you said, they left him out there to keep getting pounded. I don't know why, but they did. And uh, if they didn't do that, his, his ERA would be even better. He had a three, one, nine ERA, one Oh seven whip. I mean, this is just, this is that guy who I, I, I took him at the first pitch Arizona draft. I took him at the end of the second round and I, I knew it was going to be like high, but I wanted a horse and I wanted a guy who I really believed is that is that ACE. And I think he can easily be, that first second round kind of guy going into 2023 so far your your first pitch arizona draft if it were entered if it were a full draft it would be the high pick on him his high pick okay. other than you is 30 oh no yeah. yeah you were one right were you one yeah. yeah oh so that's tied with your pick then yeah okay. so it would have been 20 so you would have been tied yeah. for the high the high like pick 30, on 31 him, or the yeah. the low pick on him i guess um, right so he's got a 42 adp right now i mean that that's safe you know, you, you miss out on your ace in the first couple rounds. That's a, that's a pretty safe bet at the end of the third. Yeah. Um, I would be comfortable with that. I wouldn't have been comfortable with drafting him even where he was going up until what he showed last year. I think last year he finally showed that, you know, he has what it takes to take that next step into that upper echelon and be that strikeout pitcher that you need him to be, to take him up there. So and he's, I, and he's right now going like end of the third. Yeah. 42. I mean, that's, yep. that's ridiculous value. And I mean, like, Guys like Robbie Ray are going ahead of him. I, I mean, I'm taking him over Robbie Ray all day. And honestly, I see Giolito above him. I, I'd have to look into that more, but 
my thought is I might take him over Giolito and even Urias too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, hear you. Yeah, I, I just, I love the guy. Agree. I'm, I'm coming around. I wasn't there speaking, mentioning speaking Robbie, Robbie Ray. <laughs> yes. Robbie Ray goes to the Mariners. I not, not one I exactly saw coming. The Mariners are yeah. going for it. The Mariners are going for it. They, uh, they tried to call Kyle, Kyle Seeger, couldn't get a hold of him. So they emailed him that they weren't picking up his option and then turn around and use that money they were saving and uh, brought in Robbie Ray. Five-year, $150 million deal. Uh, Mariners are paying for the elite Robbie Ray that we saw could be there last year. Um, it's a better park, better division. Uh, doesn't have to face those AL East teams in bad parks nearly By the as way, much. According to stat, StatCast Park Factors, it was uh, the last three years, 2019 to 2021, Mar- uh, Mariners T-Mobile Park is the biggest pitcher park in baseball. Wow. I did yeah. not know that. It used I to did, be I high, and either. then it went back down towards the middle, I thought. Technically technically tied with uh, Oracle Park. The now, they Giants. do have a humidor now. And Oakland they did Stadium. put in a humidor there for last oh, season. I did know that. Because um, I think that came up on our last show. Okay, so yeah, Mariners, Giants, and A's are tied for the lowest park factor. So best for pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say I don't know what this means. Like I never know what a park factor for strikeouts means. Like I mean, how batters, how does, batters eye? Uh, um, maybe could be that. Could be you know. Uh, I, no, I don't even want to speculate. People who yeah. know more than me can 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 maybe help me out with that, but. Uh, Mariners Park is the number one park in Statcast for strikeouts. That might just be because the Mariners strike out a lot. I, I thought Park <laughs> Factor they, they do strike out a lot. Well, right, but I thought that that was yeah. supposed to neutralize. Yeah, it neutralize because, it because like number two is the Rays. I can't imagine that the Rays strike out mm. the second most, and the Giants mm. the third. And I don't think they strike out that much either. Weird. So I don't know, but having Robbie Ray go to a place like that is not a bad thing at all. Going from the AL East to the AL West is real good. Um, my concern with Ray is, is in other aspects. Like, uh, you know, I know that he took big steps forward and we've, we've kind of mentioned it a few, I've mentioned it a few times, but um, when Eno was doing a panel at first pitch Arizona, he was talking about how he kept trying to hit corners and stuff. And they're like, dude, you, yeah. you don't have the control to hit corners. Just, aim for the freaking middle of the plate. You're going to be all over the middle, but at least you'll be in the zone. Like we just want you to throw the ball in the zone and your stuff is good enough that it's not going to get hit. I mean, it is until it's not right. I mean, at some point it could be not good enough, but as of right now, you have to feel pretty good about that. Um, so I, where are you at with Ray? I mean, it was, it was such a massive jump even from 2019 where he had a, he had a pretty solid season. Uh, four three four serviceable ERA, um, thirty one and a half K percentage in twenty nineteen. Walks were a little high, four point three four. But I mean, going to last year from that, such a massive, massive jump. And that was when people were drafting him, um, you know, to be an elite pitcher. Uh, but but let's but, let, but like, do you? If you change completely your whole approach, now you're no longer trying to aim for corners. You're just aiming for the middle of the zone now that obviously would explain that difference. Oh yeah. I mean, if you have the stuff to put it in the zone and still get swings and misses like he does. Yeah. Uh, and you have a much higher chance of getting it in the zone because you at least know it's going to be around the zone. And if you do leave it in the zone, there's a chance guys aren't going to hit it. A la Giolito. I mean, 
I have to feel a little bit better. No, I would think so. I mean, there's yeah. always a chance he's going to regress back if he start, you know, gets a big head about himself and says, yeah, I got that deal. Now I can, I can start, you know, painting the corners like a, like a Maddox or something. But I mean, if it worked last year, why would he go an F with it and, and, you know, ruin what he's built? I mean, he's consistently inducing a low amount of contact. And if he can reduce his walk rate that much, just by changing his philosophy, why would he screw with it? I mean, exactly. it, it's, it, we're putting faith in his ability to recognize that, but I can't imagine he would, I mean, after the season, he had the contract, the Cy Young, all that, why would you go mess that up? Right. Um, you know, and unless you're Cody he, Bellinger, the funny thing is, you know, talking about his fastball, I mean, he threw his fastball more than he's ever thrown in his career. Like, most guys start getting more strikeouts and start becoming better when they start throwing less fastballs. But his fastball usage over the last couple of years, he went from 53.9% to 42.7 to 47.3, all the way up to 59.4% this year because he's got an elite fastball. I yeah, mean, and he, one and of he, the best he, in he baseball. He gained a whole tick on it as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his, his fastball went from 92.4 in 2019 to 93.9 in 2020 to 90 and that was the last, last time year. that he had an, an elite season was 2017 was back when his fastball velo was up in 94 range that's what you're going to see a lot is guys need a 94 plus mile an hour fastball for it to be really effective i think most times so um and yeah i mean if he's throwing that fastball that much and he's getting that much swing and miss on it in the zone i mean yes he had a 90 percent left on base percentage and a uh 268 BABIP. Those are going to regress. He's not going to have another sub three whip, even in, even in Seattle, but or sub sub three area rather. Um, but if he can have like a low to mid threes, maybe like a three, 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 two ERA that play with all those K's with all those K's and he doesn't have any health concerns and uh, he's on a decent team in a really good park. I'm, I'm more and more sold on Robbie Ray these days. Yeah, definitely a lot better track record now than 2017 when you were drafting him in 2018 coming off of that season. And that was a lot of doubts. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah. Yeah, it really looks like the philosophy changed. I mean, the, the, the pant size changed. So you have to read into that a little bit as well. No, sorry, low hanging fruit. Sorry. I missed it. I was making a tight pants joke. You didn't, you didn't want to run with that. No, I don't know what you're talking about. So no. Hmm. Okay. We'll move on. You can, you can can, uh, Google, Google Robbie Ray's pants. I guess you and I have very different, uh, extracurricular activities. You you must not listen to any baseball podcasts at all because everybody loves Robbie Ray's tight pants. I think we've been over this. You're the, you're the podcast listener. I just do the podcasts. Yeah, but you're the, you like tight pants. I like tight pants. Sure. Do I? I don't think so. Well, I mean, I'm I'm, saying it, so it must be true. Men. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Mariners also added <laughs> not Clint Frazier, Adam Frazier, the better Frazier. Uh traded for him from the Padres. I mean, that trade really worked out well for the Padres. They brought in, you know, the potential batting champion and then just mucked up the works in that lineup last year. But uh the Mariners brought him in to get uh Dylan Moore out of the lineup to save us <laughs> from drafting him. <laughs> I mean, I was already not going to trap. That's not a problem for me. I think, I think, uh, yeah, he, he forced us all to not draft him again. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I would assume he's slotting in either one or two in that lineup. You know, JP Crawford uh, appeared to be a pretty serviceable leadoff man last year. So 
maybe he's the two behind him. Either way, he's hitting in front of Hanniger, France, um, maybe a, a better Jared Kellenick. Uh, how do you feel about Frazier up there? I mean, he clearly could be a source of average for you. Is, is he going to give you anything else other than average and runs? Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, not, he, he's, he's going to be a huge drain on you in terms of RBI and, and power. Um, well, I don't know. I guess last year he only had five homers, but he had seven in the short season and 10 before that. Uh, the seven in the short season looks like probably a bit of an anomaly, but cause like his barrel rate is like pathetically low, like one to 2% most uh-huh. years. It's like, it's like a, like a mile straw ooh, barrel rate. Ooh, yeah. It's bad. Um, yeah. He's just a guy who produces though. Like he's, he's that guy that you want on your team when, if you need someone to throw in, who's going to get you at bats and they're, especially if they're facing bad pitching, like if they're, you know, facing the Orioles or something, or they're in a really good hitters parked and, you know, that it's a good, it's a pretty good lineup. I mean, yeah, you know, it is at least the top six are solid and they're clearly trying to compete. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you got Hanniger, you got France, assuming Kellenic does anything. You got Toro Crawford's okay. It's not a world beater lineup, but it's, it's, it's decent. And if he's and hitting they still top, like to run and he's a guy that can steal a few bases, that's he true. Steal 10 last year. Um, you know, he can give you a, a 7 15 season with 85 runs that's not nothing when you no, need yeah. a middle infielder for a stream on a weekend against a bad team like you said that's yeah that's pretty solid uh you know he's going in the early 300s he's not cheap you know coming off of a season with the average he had you're gonna he's only second little base eligible now too. yeah that's he's not outfield anymore yeah that is a bummer but the mariners are a team that tends to bounce guys uh, bounce guys around that can be so there's a good chance he ends up in the outfield some days. You never know because, you know, France can move around. You got um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Mr. White, Adam White. Is it Adam White? I can't remember. Mitch White? Now. Mitch? No, not the pitcher. No, uh, the Mitch first. White. Evan White. Evan White. Oh, they still got Evan White, who they, you know, does have a legitimate contract. I mean, they signed him to a major league deal. They're, they're probably going to try and get him back up at some point to play first. So France yeah. is going to have to bounce somewhere. You got Toro as well. Uh, there, there's a lot of places, a lot of guys that can play two, three positions on that team. Um, well, Jake Freely's always hurt in the outfield. Um, you know, we know, we obviously know Dylan Moore can't really hit. So, you know, there's a chance for him to get dual eligibility back. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was looking and he goes like 10 picks after Luis Arise. Now, granted, Arise is second, third, and outfield eligible, but Arise also, like, I mean, is bad. Yeah. No speed really no homer power at all runs and RBIs are bad. Like, yeah, he's, he's a better hitter for straight average, but that's literally all you're getting out of him. And he also could be a play time risk. Yeah, exactly. Like he's not going to play every day. So I would a hundred percent take him over Luis arise. I don't, you know, triple eligibility be damned. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Frazier's a guy who, you know, if, if I have the right team build, especially like a DC, I think he has some value, but uh, you know, in the, in a redraft, I don't think he's going to be a, a target for me. All right. Um, Robbie Ray's old team. Um, gave Your biggest Jose Barrios. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say so last year. One of definitely top two um, guy the that guy I never drafted shit about. Yeah. 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 He had his best season last year and, and got even better when he went to Toronto. Now, granted, it was Rogers Center Toronto, not Dunedin Toronto, but still very, very good year last year for Jose Barrios went from a a guy who is giving you the value that you were paying for him in the seventh, sixth round 
and and turned out probably a good third round value last year. So easily his best season got rewarded with a pretty solid deal. Um, not honestly, not a terrible price for the, for the blue Jays, for a young pitcher with durability that could at least anchor the front half of that rotation, seven years, 131 million. That's, that's not that bad at all. Good deal all around. Um, obviously anchored at the front of that rotation. Um, do you think we so are going to repeat the season he had last year? I was going to ask you, does this mean you're going to consider drafting him this year? Um, I'm probably not going to be taking too much pitching, at least from early glances, where he's going. I don't think that would preclude me from drafting him. I do have some some mental biases that I would need to get over. Because um, I frankly, uh, I don't know if I feel like the the pitches are good enough to maintain what he was doing. But I'm going to need to dive more into burials. I'm not ruling it out, but definitely have been one of his biggest avoiders these last few years. What do you think? For, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's more that there's a lot of hitters that I like in that area. Yeah. Uh, paired with the fact that, like, I like Logan Webb a lot more, and he goes, like, eight picks above him. Mm-hmm. And there's so closers would, as well. Yeah. Around in there. It's a, big, it's a big closer area too. So I think like you, I probably won't have any Burrios, but if he falls to me in a place where I can use a it's starter. It's mid-fifth. You know, he's not going that much higher than in recent years with yeah. a much better output last year. Right. And he's not old. I mean, he's still only, what, 27? Despite yeah. having been a free agent? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, like the guys who go right after him, Luis Castillo and Max Freed, I think I'd take Brio. Oh, yeah, I would take him over both of them. I agree with that. Um, but agree with that. the guys above him are Lance Lynn and Logan Webb, and I think I'd prefer both of them to Brio. So we're in lockstep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot more I'm looking at in that range, I feel like. But good yeah. deal for him. Good deal for the Jays. I mean, I no reason to think he's not going to at least be a front of the rotation anchor. He's not going to be, you know, what Robbie Ray was last year, most likely. But He'll still be a very solid pitcher, and that says a lot. Yeah. Um, Gaussman joins him at the front of the rotation for the Jays. Five years, $110 million. Uh, slightly higher AAV than Berrios to bring him in from San Francisco after a career resurgence these last couple seasons. Um, I've, really, I've been really a, interesting that that Robbie Ray only got five million more, essentially the exact same contract as Gaussman. Mm-hmm. The Gaussman signed with the Jays. So why didn't is the Ray Jays... older? Is Ray older? Ah, Ray's thirty. How old's Gaussman? Oh no, Gaussman's been around quite a bit. I mean, Gaussman's probably like 28, 29, something mm, like that. No, he's he's going to be thirty-one. So okay, same age. Yeah. So like um, wh- different like, style of pitcher. Maybe they, I guess, but not, maybe they felt Robbie Ray couldn't replicate it. I, I don't know. It, that is interesting. It is interesting. I, I, and I know in our group chat, I think Matt Williams is the one bringing it up and like, you know, even the familiarity alone, like why wouldn't you want to yeah. bring back the guy who was with you last year? The guy who won the Cy Young for you. I don't, it's really odd to me. Like why, um, unless like, they they offered him, they lowballed him or something, and Robbie Ray got upset and you know just out of uh, on principle signed somewhere else, even if it was only for five million more. I, who knows what happened there? But it seems really kind of strange, unless for whatever reason the Jays think that they can work with Gaussman more than they can with Ray with his pitch mix somehow. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's odd. Um, I mean, Gaussman, you know his resurgence. I don't know. They, they, they are kind of 
yeah, it, it is very strange. I, I guess I have nothing more else to say on that. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And Gaussman's only going eight picks after Robbie Ray, yet doesn't really have the same, in my opinion, uh, well, I don't want to see he doesn't have the same upside. And I mean, like, he had 200, you know, like, a lot of good innings in, in San Francisco over the last two years. He had, you know, 250 plus innings of pretty elite pitching, um, you know, where he had basically an 11 K per nine, two point. I mean, the best years five. of his career easily. Yeah. Um, high, you know, he, he's upped his split finger percentage a lot these last three seasons. He, he throws more splitters than anybody else in, in I mean, there, any he other and, starter. He and Ray are essentially two pitch pitchers but just in, in different ways, you know, Ray is fastball slider. Gaussman is fastball split and right. nominal other stuff. And I mean, his slider, his sliders ass. We know that from his days with the Orioles where they would make him throw it and it just kept getting blistered all over the yard. So <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised he still throws it at all. Cause it was horseshit when he was throwing it PTSD uh, regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We we've been, I've been in on Gaussman. Tony's been in on Gaussman just been, blasted by him so many years yeah. uh, finally puts it together and i said this year uh you know i i don't like drafting splitter guys i still took a share with you i took a share in a couple other leagues and they worked out and i was very happy with that i don't know if i'm going to go back to that well i i just i don't i i still can't get over that heavy split finger usage and how just unpredictable it is it, it could go at any time i mean we saw it with yates when he was a closer we saw it with Neris. i mean he would he would lose it constantly um, and as a starter, a guy that's going to rely on it that much for so many innings, gosh, it's a good pitch, but man, it, it's hard. It's hard. For he me. had, he had zero blowups the entire season though. So it's like how, how and you often, mentioned how good his park is. I mean, San how, Francisco's park how, was so right. much better last year. Right. But I'm like, you know, I, I don't think you can keep, you know, avoiding you landmines can, like that. Yeah. No, I was going to say the other thing, like, I think you're saying, you know, I don't, I can't rely on it, but I think he's proven he can, he can rely on it. Uh, I don't, I don't. In a couple of years. Yeah. 200, uh, 220 innings. What is it? 250 uh, plus. 240. Innings. 250 plus. Yeah. And then he had plus, you know, postseason. but his worst outing all year was six runs and four and a third innings. I mean, that's pretty damn good for your worst outing. Uh, and his second worst outing was five runs and six innings. So, I mean, he yeah, was but really but does really but does does that preclude it from falling apart in a much worse park in a much worse division with you know tons of better offenses? I don't him? think that that's a concern for me. I don't, I don't think I'm concerned about the splitter like you are. Um, okay, I I think it's more going to the AL East from the NL West that concerns me. Um, and I just think that there's probably just guys I like a little bit more than him around there. Like I I mean. Alcantara and Ray go eight picks before him. It's really difficult for me to take him knowing that those guys are right there. And I also like Freddie Peralta a lot and he mm -hmm. goes at the same time that Gaussman goes. Um, so, and then Webb goes, you know, a little bit after that. So I just think there's other guys around there that I would take over him. Although Webb doesn't have the same K upside that he does. So, um, but I just like the park more. I just feel better being in Oracle park than being uh, in, even though Rogers center, by the way, is a pitcher's park. Um, it is 17th in park factors. So, uh, you know, if a hundred is neutral, uh, it's a 98. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, but the giants is 94. Um, I just, I just don't like all the lines that you have to face in the, in the AL East. I just want to avoid I'm, that. I'm not, I, I know, you know, this, I'm not saying 
I don't believe in what he did because there's clearly a pitch mix change. Clearly the skills were there before the Orioles and were just making him throw that slider for whatever reason, or he wanted to throw it and it just kept getting killed. We knew the split was good. He just wasn't throwing it enough. He got rid of pretty much everything else and just went fastball split. And that's when everything changed. I mean, you could see it. The swinging straight percentage was up a ton. The contact rates went down. The K percentages went up. I mean, just his overall effectiveness just skyrocketed from there. It's clearly there. I just, in the back of my mind, I can't trust that it's going to stay there. I just, it's, it's there in my head and it's probably not going to go away this year. Um, you know, I had him last year cause the cost was a lot better this year. I mean, he's at what fifth round value, 50 pick, pick 50. That's, that's fourth round. Uh, it's hard for me. It's hard for okay. me to commit to a guy with that pitch mix. It's tough. All right. Well, so this is a question that was brought up to me. Uh, would you rather draft assuming that they're both on the board at the same time, which won't happen because yeah. DeGrom will never fall this far, no. but no. Would you rather draft Gaussman or DeGrom? Would you rather take uh, Gaussman's skill risk or DeGrom's injury risk? And for me, it's Gaussman. No I'll take the guy that I'm going to get the innings from. At least I have better hope of getting the innings from. So I'm going to go with Gaussman as well, especially since yeah. the price is better. I mean, it's it's hilarious to me that people know that DeGrom has a torn UCL and didn't fix it. And they're just like, well, he'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, especially at age 33. Yeah, throwing 101 mile an hour and 92 mile an hour sliders and shit. Like, I I understand the upside with him, but you're not you're not leaving yourself a ton of room for upside when you're taking him in like the early second round. And he'll probably, frankly, he'll be going I think in the middle to late first round by by main events in March. So if he's healthy uh, in spring, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, I don't know. I just I can't understand people who draft the ground right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've made our stance pretty clear on that one. You especially, you've put it out there a lot. It's, uh, I, it's how how can you I, I take on that kind of risk when you when you know that a guy did not get what he needed repaired, repaired, and yep. has that age, that that you know heavy velocity that he relies upon so much. I mean, people's injury he's a great, optimism. He's a great pitcher, but I mean, I mean the best pitcher. Let, let's be clear, like he is a yeah. dominant. Once in a generation, so good there. He's the one, one in drafts where he's healthy. No question. The problem is that's not what matters. I mean, that's, that's a factor, but that's not the only one it's his health risk is so much more than that is worth, uh, even in a league like Yahoo, where I can throw him on the IL, I just, I can't like, I feel like he could miss like 90% of the season. And I, uh, right now, I can't take him even in spring. If he's looking good, it's still going to be in my mind that he's got a torn UCL and it's not fixed. So, because I mean, like, uh, who's their GM there? Sandy. Uh, no, I don't remember. Uh, isn't it Alderson? Alderson. Is it? Okay. Whoever it was came out or maybe it was Cohen. I don't know. Someone came out and was like, Oh yeah, it resolved itself. What? <laughs> I don't, that's, that's not how it works, dude. Yeah. I'm, it didn't just resolve itself. I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I tore my meniscus in my knee, but it's resolved itself. And then, you know, now, now that uh, it's healed itself, I'm good to go again. So, no, it doesn't work that way. Sorry. No, no more comment. Agree. Um, Red Sox are having a puzzling off season. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> speaking of, speaking of injury risks. Yeah. Holy well, shit. Yeah. We'll start with the trio of, 
of hurlers they brought in. Uh, <laughs> re- recent recent deals include oh, Rich Hill, man. Rich Hill, one year five mil, Michael Walker, one year seven mil, and James Paxton for ten mil for one year. Twenty two million dollars on a guy over forty, a guy who was average at best with the Rays and a guy who probably won't pitch all year. Such a weird collection of moves. Uh, I mean, when, when you're losing a guy from the front of your rotation in Erod, um, you know, you, you're is... gaining sale back, but yeah, I mean, there's still question marks with sale making it through the year. Nick Pavetta is your number three. And can you feel good about that? Did Chain Bloom get like taken over by Heim, Heim Bloom? Heim Heim Bloom. Bloom? Did he get taken over by like aliens shame, or something? Like shame. I mean, fuck, so, it doesn't matter what is how to pronounce his name. I mean, you, you don't know Hebrew names, man. Come on. <sighs> Anyways, did he get taken over by like an alien or something? Like, uh, what I mean, what he's, he's a, it's weird because he's a raised guy and usually they like to cut costs, but I mean, they're paying 10 million for James Paxton. What? Why? Like, I thought it was funny that they were going to have him take a physical. Like, what what physical could they give James Paxton? He's going to pass right now. Can you breathe? I mean, I don't know. I I have no idea. When is enough enough with Michael Waka, too? Like, I mean, he's had one year since uh, 2015. The the K's were solid last year, but you got a stomach of five ERA with it and bad innings and. I mean, putting him in Fenway as opposed to Tropicana. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. He's got a bad fastball though. Like that's, that, that's the thing. Like where I, I don't know. The changeup is good, but what do you, I don't know. I, I, I mean, they, they have, a, they have many, a he, of, he gives up a shit ton of homers and then you're yeah. going to put him in Fenway. Yeah. I, and you're expecting better than the five ERA he had in Tropicana. Uh, I don't know. They have a number uh, of uh, starting pitching options in the minors. None of them are, you know, stellar by any stretch. So I mean, we all know we all know the story with Paxton. That dude's a walking IR. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, really coming it's, off of TJ in April of last year. He's he's not going to pitch all year. I mean, there's there's no way he's. This is a thing to keep him around, have an option year for next year. And when the and when the forty. When the 42-year-old is the most reliable of the three, yeah. that's saying a lot. By, by a long shot. I mean, Rich, oh, Hill's yeah. not, Rich Hill's still a solid pitcher. If I you know. can get him out it's there. Crazy. I mean, he's 41, 42. He had a, almost a strikeout per inning last year, sub-4 ERA. I, you're going to count on the best innings from him, likely over, over Waka. And, and he got paid the least. Much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> when, you, when you're that old, I mean. You'll take anything at that point. But he's also going from much better pitchers parks with Tampa and the and the Mets to now again being in Fenway. So and facing the AL East, I just I hate these moves from the Red Sox. And then pairing it with trading Hunter Renfro for JBJ, who's going to be busy catching all the fly balls that these pitchers are going to be giving up and uh, some prospects. But still, like you're you're getting rid of a guy who. Hunter Renfro made legit gains. I, that, that made no profile. that made no sense. Like I mean, and you you can say, well, they required they acquired reacquired defense with uh, Jackie Bradley. Okay, I mean, Hunter Renfro was an excellent right fielder. I mean, yeah, he had a guy cannon. With, guy with a cannon played really solid defense. Like, what did you gain with this trade? I mean, you had a guy that was not that expensive that was coming into his own. 
finally showed that he could put it all together, not being a platoon bat. And then you get rid right. of him for a guy that you did not want to re-sign who had a garbage year with the Brewers. Like what? I mean, I mean, obviously he's well-liked in that organization, but why didn't you re-sign him then if he was so well-liked? Like what, what sense did this make? I don't know. Wasn't, wasn't there some kind of fiasco with Jackie Bradley Jr. in, in Boston last time he was there? Didn't something happen? Honest, honestly, I don't know. I thought there was, didn't, didn't someone make a racist comment or something? I can't remember. Um, that sounds vaguely familiar. I, I probably I think, shouldn't remember, I th- but I don't. I know. think that did happen. I don't know. Either way, he can't hit. Okay. Like, yeah, he's yeah, a great I mean, defender, he showed but that last year. He can't hit at all. And at even all. when he, when, when he had, you know, decent stretches, he, he was as streaky as they come. He would go into massive ice cold spells that would just murder you. And you'd have to hit him ninth just to get him he, out of the, he's know. unplayable. Like I would never, ever consider picking up Jackie Bradley jr. Ever, you know, in a fantasy league, granted real life baseball, fine. He plays good defense, but not good enough defense to make up for his complete lack of offense. So I, I but don't get to, this at all to trade a serviceable right fielder for <sighs> better than serviceable, like good. I mean, yeah. He finally started hitting lefties and righties, and he lowered his K percentage all the way down to under twenty three percent. Like this guy is you're, like, you're that you're that worried about defense. Best you know, barrel rate of his career, best max EV of his career. Like everything was perfect. I don't. I have put, no. Like he was looking Kike, like a massive buy. Put Kike Hernandez in the outfield if you're you're that worried about your center field defense. Yeah, and you know get Christian Arroyo at second. I mean, who was who was absolutely solid last year when he played. Uh, and they brought in Robbie Ref Snyder as well. I mean, the twins seemed to like to play him last year. Um, it, it, yeah. Okay. I think we've belabored this enough. It, it made our, very little. Our sense. friend Eric Cross was very displeased with these moves. I, I would imagine he would be more than displeased. I mean, well, as a Red Sox fan, how could you? You're in the chat with yes, us. I know. You've seen I know. him complain. I'm, I'm aware. And, <laughs> and there's apparently a lot of Red Sox fans that are defending this move, which, you know, which, which is funny in a city like Boston, who's, you know, pretty critical of their sports teams. I don't know how you could defend such a backwards move as this. I, I don't know. Well, I am to life. Okay. <laughs> Good. You got your, you got your, your Hebrew toast down. There you go. You're ready for Seder. Ready. Uh, I'm actually going sorry, to sorry, tomorrow. sorry to all my Hebrew friends. Out uh, there. So the funny thing is, I'm actually going to <laughs> went to a Hanukkah celebration tomorrow. Oh, night. for real? <laughs> yeah, for nice. real. Excellent. My friend Daniel. I, I don't Jewish. even know what the uh, what the traditional thing to bring to a Hanukkah celebration would be. Um, sugar wine. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, their wine is basically. You'll, you'll have to let me know. Some Manischewitz. Let me. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm I'm not going to go anymore. Okay. Done. Uh, <laughs> angels. <laughs> Angels, uh, uh wh- well, one of these moves was puzzling. Well, yeah, one of them. One, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I see two puzzling. Well, I, I don't know. Loretta, like okay, very right. puzzling. Moves. I'll, I'll start with the obviously puzzling one. So wait, the you're move. gonna you're gonna give the Orioles shit about Jordan Lyles for seven mil, but Michael Lorenzen for seven mil makes sense to you? I mean, he can play the outfield, right? Oh, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> They already said he's in the rotation. Yeah, I know. They, they added to their stable of 17 mediocre starters and Patrick Sandoval uh, and <laughs> brought in Michael Lorenzen to start. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he can pitch 20 innings this year, let alone start. Sorry, oh, Simeon. God. He's yeah, not on the, on the podcast this time, so we can say that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love the, the interview they had with him last year. He, he On the SP Streamer pod, him and Doug, they, he clearly has the drive to start. He wants to do it his body's not cooperating right now. I, you know, I, yeah. I want, I want to see him get the shot. I do. I, sure. I'll, I'm not going to lie. I want to see him get the shot. 
because sure. he seems like a guy that's really, you know, got his head on straight and is motivated. Um, but yeah, seven mil is a lot. I agree with that. Well, but at least they me, know they me, can put him in the in the bullpen and, and have a service. Let me give you a spoiler alert. Uh, looking at the rotation, he's going to get a shot and then some because they sure as shit need innings out of that rotation. What do you mean? You mean their other free agent acquisition is not going to give them innings guaranteed? This was this might be the dumbest signing I've seen so far this offseason. Honestly, uh, you don't you don't like the Rysel Iglesias four years for 100 million? Shut signing? up. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the good signing. Yeah. Especially for me, because I drafted him in my recent draft. Assuming I mean, go back. No, there. nobody had any issues taking Iglesias because we all knew he was going to get, yeah. you know, closer money and he was going to close. That's not really. But Syndergaard, nor Syndergaard, Thor, this... coming off of TJS and barely being able to pitch last year, being over a year removed from it, uh, got twenty-one million for one year from the Angels to hopefully carry their rotation. Because, <laughs> as you oh, mentioned, Lord. there are question marks all over the place. Um, you know, you got Otani, who's obviously very good when he can pitch. You hope he can continue to pitch. Sandoval's coming off a, a, a pretty serious injury that shut him down pretty early last year. Jose Suarez is average. Jaime Berea is less than average. And there's a lot of nothing else. Uh, All right. And, so, and let's talk about, so let's talk about Syndergaard. He had Tommy John surgery March 27th of 2020. So by that alone, you'd think, okay, maybe he might be ready to come Mid-season back. Mid-season last year, he should have been ready. But he had elbow soreness, and coming off surgery, elbow soreness is bad. That's where you do not want to see the word soreness. It sounds like it's, you know, not, not that harmful. It, it, it This is a bad, bad thing. And it was a big setback. This was uh, March 25th of 2021. He was shut down for six weeks, and he came back uh, September 28th last year for as a reliever for two innings so that's all they got out of him and he did not you know look like he was ready to be back at all and this is the guy that you think is going to be okay this year and did they not give up a draft pick for him as well they gave up a draft pick for him too yeah Yeah. the funny thing is it's a one-year deal for 21 million dollars he's gonna suck for most of the year and then the Mets can just re-sign him again next year anyways it's like they didn't even miss out on anything like this is the year you don't want to own Syndergaard and this is the year that the Angels are paying him. So, so dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, so dumb. I, I did not get a chance to look at his ADP. Let me see where that is. Uh, too high, wherever it is. 209. 209. Yes. For a guy that didn't, that barely pitched high. last year. That's not, yeah. Too, uh, not going to draft him anymore. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, min pick of 172. Definitely no. I mean, that's a, what? 14th round pick? 13th? Yeah, that's gross. No, thanks. Um, do you do you see Reed Detmers or Griffin Canning getting legitimate shots this year for that rotation? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, Canning had some major issues last year and then got right. Shut down. I mean, the opportunity is there for them. I don't know that they're going to be able to to capitalize on that. I mean, Detmers is a guy that I would definitely be interested in taking I mean, going in outside the, the top 450 so outside yeah. of 30 round draft i mean detmers you know was not good last year Canning he, at only, 590. He, only, he only had five starts so this is a guy who he this is a guy who has like elite stuff i mean like strikeout stuff um it did not play up in the majors but i think he'll get there uh he just needs to you know get some more time there but i mean 
he's got all of the pieces there to put yeah. it together. He he's going to... around that range that Logan Gilbert was going in the DCs last year. And, and they, okay. they don't seem that far apart in terms of kind of how ready they were. Well, I mean, no, I Logan, Logan Gilbert was definitely more ready, I think, but 466 for Reed Detmers. That's a good, you know, time to be looking to take him. I think. Yeah. It's a good shot. I mean, that's yeah. Because I mean, you, you look at that rotation and you know that they're going to need yeah. him. I, I don't know that I'm going to take him in redraft because I don't know that he'll get a shot you know, in the first month or so, you don't want to be holding him on your bench, but in DC, he's, he's a good pick. Okay. Well, Rysel Iglesias, we did touch on, I mean, great signing uh, for his value. Yeah. You know, he's, he's the closer. Yeah. He's, he is an elite closer K's ERA, despite, you know, owning him last year, there were a few Rocky moments, but then still turned into sub three ERA. Um, I had no qualms making him my first closer at the end of the third in the draft that I'm in right now. Um, so I'm all about that. If I don't end up taking a Hendricks or a hater earlier in the draft, um, let's see, let's move on to another California team, a little bit North, uh, the Justin Mason and Daniel Salinger uh, giants, uh, bringing back some, some familiar faces and then adding another to that rotate or adding another arm to that rotation. They brought back, uh, Anthony DeSclafani on a three-year $36 million deal. Uh, after the best season of his career, they're bringing him back and Alex Cobb after kind of, uh, resurfacing after some, some injury plague time, um, coming back on two year, $25 million deal. And then they brought in Alex Cobb as well, who kind of returned to a little bit of prominence last year with the angels. One, one of the arms that they have that was somewhat serviceable, they let walk and then signed a guy for twice as much annual value. Um, now the giants lost Gaussman. So their, their rotation definitely has room to add an arm in Cobb. Are all of these guys draftable for you this year? Uh, anybody that you wouldn't be looking at bringing onto your squad? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all depend on where you're drafting them. But, I mean, like, Alex Wood obviously often has injury issues come up. But when, he, when he's pitching, he's a good pitcher. I mean, this is a guy who you're going to want to be playing uh, most starts. And I, I love the park. I like the division a lot, like unless you're going against the Dodgers or maybe in Coors, um, but the Rockies are going to suck. So that might not even matter. Um, you know, he goes like 228. So it just like in Disclafani is 224. Like they're both around the same time. Uh, it just depends on what you're looking for. But these these are pretty much going to be guys you're going to be starting like, you know, you're hopefully starting like 75% of the time. You know, you're pricing them versus the really tough matchups, but um, you got to ask yourself, do I want the upside of a uh, Patrick Sandoval, or maybe if you believe in Cal Quantrill, uh, or maybe Savali takes a step forward, or do you want to, these guys are safer, but they're just a little lower upside wood has, uh, you know, the injury concerns. Um, I haven't really done my deep dive on these guys yet, but I think Cobb is the really interesting one. Cause yeah. he's going about Price is a lot better. Yeah. He's going about a hundred picks later and Cobb looked legitimately good this year. Yep. Um, he looked back. Yeah. So, you know, going for where he does in like the 330 area, I like that a lot. Um, I mean, in a, in a similar park move, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, LA, very good park, San Francisco, same. Um, I just, just look like AL, AL with the DH to NL. I mean, even if, even if the NL gets a DH, it's not going to be like it is facing a DH in the AL. Yeah, that's fair. Didn't really change anything last year. <laughs> just, just probably was finally healthy again. Like he just, with Baltimore ever since he went to Baltimore, it just was a, 
a myriad of things that went wrong for him. And, and he, he missed some stretches last year too. So you're not going to count on him throwing a, more than 150, but you don't have to pay a price where you need him to throw more than that. I mean, he's a 22nd so, round pick, 23rd round pick right now. Cobb is another guy who I think, I think Nick Pollock calls it the thing, but he throws the a thing. splitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like 37%. It's like, a, it's like a split change. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he throws a sinker 42% of the time. And then that sink change 37% of the time. And then he also has a knuckle curve. They throw 16% of the time. So he's got an interesting uh, repertoire and it really seems to work for him. And uh, I don't think there's a better place you could go than San Fran. Yeah. For they that. certainly so. look like they, they have been rehabbing these guys left and right. Um, yeah. And not that he needs a lot of rehabbing, but just uh, now do are do we worry a little bit about there being a different catching situation there? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you got I, a, you got a mostly rookie catcher coming in, taking over for a hall of famer or a future hall of famer. Right. Yeah. I don't, uh, I couldn't answer that. I don't know who they're going to have is there. Cause they, they've said that they're not going to let, uh, uh, what's his name? Bart go? have full-time Bart. Yeah. 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 He won't be their full-time catcher. So right. we'll have to see who else, uh, is, is going to be in the picture there. But, uh, you know, like Cobb is a guy who has like a nine and a half K per nine. So like mm-hmm. compared to Disclefani, like, Disclefani was really good last year. Don't get me wrong, but he's only like an eight K per nine kind of guy. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm honestly borderline more now Cobb, you know, can he stay healthy? I mean, Disclefani is probably <clears throat> less of an injury risk and certainly less of an injury risk than wood. Um, but I think wood has the best stuff of the three. I think wood is the guy I would play the most of the three, like no question, but I, I also expect him to miss, a good amount of time. He had 139 innings this, this year, but he like never goes over 150 innings, not since 2015. So, um, you know, he's not going to get healthier as he gets older. So, uh, but I think they're all interesting. They're all guys that are on my radar. Um, I think Cobb is the most interesting though for uh, yeah. uh, upside is, combined with the price. Yeah. is nice. Yeah. By the way, Giants do have Kirk Caselli <laughs> still under contract. Uh, he's in his last year of arbitration uh, or at least his sixth year of, of, playing time um they like him they play him a little bit more than your average backup catcher and that was because they were able to move posey a little bit um because belt wasn't healthy but he's he's a pretty well-liked guy in terms of being a backup um so i think you're right i mean and they've they like you said they've they've come out and said they're not going to make bart like a 80 percent starting kind of guy so casaley's going to get quite a bit of run still i would think so yeah um okay so solid additions for the giants doesn't make up for losing you know a a a pitcher of gossman's caliber but they certainly uh did their best um i mean they 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 piece together mm -hmm. really well like better than anybody like on on the offensive side of the ball i mean we saw this with pretty much their whole offense was pieced together. And then, you know, they're doing the same thing with their pitching this year. So yeah, Farhan I, I, definitely finds those gems, brings them in <clears> they make them work. You know, it pains me to say that Kepler is a good manager because he clearly took crazy, a lot of right? steps forward from Philadelphia. Like all of a sudden, I don't, I don't know, maybe it was a, uh, you know, his managerial style change. Cause he, obviously he didn't mix and match as much as he does right now. Maybe he learned some things in his time away from uh, being a manager and changed his philosophy and looks like, like he knows what he's doing now. Yeah, that, just a hard ass trying to be the smartest guy in the room. He <laughs> making the right moves now. Yeah, I mean, it's just like their whole lineup is they've just got a lot of guys who are, you know, some guys are versus lefties, I mean, some guys are versus righties. They're taking they just, the A's play the playbook and, and making it better right now. 
Yeah. Brandon Crawford is really the only guy in that lineup and maybe even Longoria to a lesser degree who play like close to every day. Um, everybody else is mix and match and they're, they're perfect to be those kind of streamer guys that you can throw in for like a weekend or whatever, when they're facing a bunch of righties or whatever. And I, I love Darren Ruff, even though he generally yeah. only plays versus lefties, but that guy's like elite versus lefties. Um, I wish he'd get more playing time, frankly, because I think he can hit righties. I mean, we, we love Darren Ruff back when Darren Ruff was a prospect. There's yeah, still a true. little of that carry over there, but yeah. <clears throat> but he's he's elite. No, last lefties. year he was. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy you can pick up on waivers for you know uh, a week. Uh, two lefty weekend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like or, he gets uh, yeah. two out of three lefties, or he gets four righties in the first half of the week, or whatever. And and it's or sorry, four lefties in the first half of the week. And he's a phenomenal play. It happens every once in a while. And you just like, I, I love those weeks when I can just throw them in and get elite production from a guy who nobody's even thinking about. Detroit Tigers made two splashes for Michael Govier's finest. Uh, they brought in Erod early in the free agent period uh, over from Boston to anchor the front of their rotation as much as he can anchor a rotation. Uh, five years, 77 million, not a bad deal. Uh, guy with plenty of experience clearly has some skills had a hard time putting it together some of that injuries some of that control you know he's he's obviously dealt with some health things i mean 2020 was a lost season for him with the the myocarditis uh from the covid um but a a solid pitcher uh definitely could pay off the value of that deal is i i've never been an erod guy there are some erod stands out there kind of waiting for that that breakout season um I'm not really there. And when you're paying a 157 price tag, do you feel like there's any way that you could get there? Uh, not right now. I just, you know, he's never been that guy. I mean, I think, I think he's got some interesting skills. You know, he's, he's got the strikeout rate and the walk rate's pretty good, <clears throat> but he just finds other ways to come up short. Like, I just don't think, I think people are thinking he can be something that I don't know that he can be uh, like he's going 150 Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, like if I can get Zach gallon at 142, I much prefer that. I think even Luis Garcia who goes at the same time, I'd have to look into it more, but um, yeah, it's probably just even Sonny gray at 170. I don't know. Stroman at 166. Um, although Cubs, but I mean, Detroit's not, a. I mean, I guess Detroit's trying to be a good team. I don't know how good they're going to be, but I will say this. He's in a real, he's in the best, he's in the nut best. Um, oh yeah. Park for homers, park for homers. And also uh division. I mean, mm-hmm. the AL AL central is full of, of bad offenses, you know, the Royals, the twins, the Indians, um, you know, it's just, that's the gar- where I guardians be. guardians. Sorry. Sorry, the Guardians. It's it's guys. official now. It's, it's going to take me you so can move long on. to get used to that. I, I, it's it's going to be years before. Yeah, I it will be. That. It will be. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I have to dive in more, but as of right now, probably just not going to be. I'm not out on him or anything. I just probably not where I'd go. It's a it's a high price for a guy that that definitely still carries health risk. Right. Um, K's are there. If, you, yeah. if you're looking for that, you're going to get it. Um, pitched 200 innings in 2019, so he can do it. That was the only time he's done it. But it, And oddly enough, last year was his second most inning output he's had um, in any of his major league seasons going back to 2015, which is kind of surprising. 
coming off of you know, the, the major heart scare that he had in 2020. So, I mean, you know, kudos to him for coming back and yeah. performing to a point where he could, you know, solidify his financial future. So that's happy for them in that regard. Happy for him in that regard. For sure. Um, Tigers made a slightly bigger splash, uh, luring Javi Baez away from the NL to be their starting shortstop. Um, a lot of mixed feelings on this deal because uh, they did not bring in Carlos Correa, who has yet to sign, despite Carlos Correa taking taking tea with AJ Hinch. Um, should Tigers fans be disappointed that they got the consolation prize, quote unquote? <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather have Baez. I um, I agree. I, I, I mean, he's going to cost way less, and he's this guy you know, is a better defender. Always healthy. Uh, yeah. You know, this guy. I mean, granted, he he's he hasn't gone over 138 games in 2021 20, or 2019, but he's going to give you like 140 games at least. Uh, like he he doesn't miss large chunks of time, uh, like Correa does. So, I, yeah, I I would much rather have him. I mean. From a fancy perspective, you're getting a guy who also stole 18 bases last year. Yeah, started um, running for yeah. for yeah. Well, again, I mean, because he, he was running in 2018, and then he kind of pulled back a bit in 2019, and then he didn't really run in 2020. He was hitting all those homers. Yeah, but uh, you know, obviously, it's not a great park for for bias to hit homers. Like I expect that number of homers to be probably in the mid 20s, maybe 25, 26 homers, something like that. Um, but if he can give you 15 bags with that, that's great. Yeah. Um, and we know that he, his approach though, you know, it's crazy. The high Babbitt, low walk, high K approach, but he has the bat skills to, to do, to pull it off and still be good. I mean, I don't think that that skill set ages gracefully, but he's only 29. You know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about him falling off a cliff or anything yet. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think bias is interesting and someone in our chat, brought up the point that he was going like back to back with Kyle Seeger and uh, looking at this, it's like Corey yeah. Seeger, Corey Seeger, Corey Seeger. Yeah. Sorry. Did yes, I say Kyle? Yes, yeah. Yes, Corey. Yes. So, you know, pick 65 compared to pick 67. I would much rather have Javi Baez than Corey Seeger. Yeah. I mean, there's no hope of getting speed from Corey Seeger. Injury and risk is always there with Corey risk. Seeger. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask you this. Who would you rather uh, have? Not team? a worse offense, but definitely a, a bad offense. What? Sorry. Uh, Jazz Chisholm and, and Javi Bias. Who do you take there? Jazz uh, goes right sorry. after. I, I, I had to cough. Sorry. Um, I am uh, in what seems to be the minority on Jazz, too, that I think he's an overpay right now. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you a bit. I think that's um, an unpopular opinion in Twitter circles, but I am not as in on jazz as others at his price. I mean, he's, he's inside he, the fifth round and he, he's a guy who really it's struggles. erratic. It's erratic. He, he really struggles versus good pitching. I noticed because I was an owner, except that, that bat against the ground where he just roped yeah. one off of him. Yeah. That was awesome. That monster. And, and don't get me wrong. Jazz is huge for me in a lot of leagues. Oh, last yeah. Year, but when you got him in the 25th round, exactly. as opposed to the fifth round. Yeah, he was free. Uh, now he's not. So um, I just think Baez is a better hitter, and uh, I think I can c- count on him more. I, I think Jazz is probably going to steal more bases, um, yeah, but I yeah. think Javi's going to hit for a better average with more homers, and I just think he the quality of his at-bats is going to be better. Uh, and I'm a little and the scared. Lineup is I mean, probably going to be better. J- Jazz – a lot of little things last year kept popping up um, hamstrings <clears throat> multiple times. Uh, a lot of scares with jazz last year. It was, yeah. it was, 
despite how great it was to get the value we got, it still was tough to own him in NFBC because he kept having to get benched back and forth. Um, Not that that's going to preclude me from drafting a person, but um, with the contact problems with jazz, the high K rate, you know, Baez as well, but Baez also seems to make really good contact as, and it's a little fewer and farther between with jazz. I, I would much rather take the stability of a Baez who is yeah. going to get me RBIs as well, uh, as opposed to jazz, uh, getting me a few more bags, but a lot less RBI. Yep. I'm with you. Okay. It's still a, a good signing for the Tigers. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think Javi Baez was a smart move for them. Um, I don't think that's a bad deal. A shorter all. term deal for than Correa. Much yeah. lower annual uh, value. I, that, that's the thing. I feel like Correa would have gotten a lot I mean, more than him. He, which he's going to get crazy. ten years. He's going to get three hundred million. It's that's, cr- that's gross. It's gross oh, for it, a guy who doesn't run. Yeah, uh, is clearly immature. Um, just why? I, I don't. I still don't get it. I mean, he's not even a generational talent kind of guy. Like, I, I don't know what I'm missing. I don't uh, know. I mean, I, of I, I don't think he's bad. Yeah. Speaking of 10 year, $300 million contracts, let's talk about the aforementioned Kyle. I mean, Corey Seager. Um, <laughs> three years, $325 million You said three for, years, 10 years. Uh, 10 years, yes. Wow. See, I made a mistake now. I've made a few of them tonight. Um, does this deal make any sense for the Rangers? No. God, no. I Nothing that the, the Rangers has, have. I mean, they're just trying to throw money at their problem. Like they're trying to massively overpay players to try to, to have some get an offense. Of offense yeah 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 i mean like you know we'll talk about after the offense but the john gray signing i didn't mind for the money that they gave him no but, no especially but, since colorado could have given him a contract for less and right screwed it up i mean that was yeah funny. no 12 mil a year for for john gray is i'll, I'll do i'll do that uh cole calhoun <laughs> it's a little more it's a little more for john gray not 12 uh, it's uh 14 14 Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Point right, taken. 14. Point taken. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Corey Seager. I mean, okay. He's going to hit for average when he's playing. He's going to give you some homers, but he's not a plus defender. He's not going to steal you any bases. Uh, Cannot I, yeah, stay he's healthy. young. He's young. He's Cannot 27, but a 10 year deal for a 27 year old turns to a four year deal for a 33 year old with myriad injuries, keeping him off the field. This is going to turn into a bad contract. This really is, quickly. Yeah, this looks really bad. This looks like a Pujols here, level screw up. Here is the comparison I made. He reminds me of Troy Tulowitzki. Um, mm-hmm. He's too big. The big body. Uh, to, he's the big body playing shortstop. I think he's like 6'4". 6'3". 6'3". Shorter than you. Shorter than Yes. You. Barely shorter than me by like an inch and a half. But trying with a, to play With a worse back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. But I, I think it's like Troy Tulowitzki. He couldn't stay healthy because they kept he insisted on playing shortstop, and it clearly was not good for his body. And I think it's the same thing with Seager. Um, I think Seager is a really, really talented hitter. Um, I but in fantasy, if you're not giving me steals and you can't stay healthy and you're in a shitty lineup, I, I don't want you in not, the fifth not round. In the fifth round, yeah, where he's going. I'm like. I would take Baez over him, no question. And someone put out the question. I think it was Eric Cross put it out, like, who would you rather have? Like, they're going back to back, uh, Seager or Baez. And Seager was getting, like, 85% of the vote. Crazy. Yeah. It's a L.A. bias, I guess. I don't know. 
I mean, he's, that, he's maybe that maybe maybe partially that he's younger, like two years younger. Um, yeah. Maybe the prospect crowd is just kind of on him for that. I mean, I defense I isn't know. even close between the two of them. Yeah, health isn't even close between the two of them. I I, I really don't know. It, it, I think that they should consider moving him off of shortstop, try to keep him healthy, and you know he's a good bat. But the again the problem is that he's in a another you know shitty park for power. Yeah, um, yeah, a bad, a very bad one. That that leads us to our next signing. Um, would you take? I mean, would would you have any consideration of Seager at his price as opposed to co-signee of the Rangers, Marcus Semyon, at his twenty nine ADP, who signed a seven year, one hundred seventy five million dollar deal for a thirty one year old, seven yeah. years for a thirty one year old. Granted, coming off of an MVP caliber season, and clearly yeah. a guy with you know, unmatched work ethic, who's made himself better by leaps and bounds in the field. I mean, he should be the shortstop, not Seager. I, mean, I don't, I don't think that's a question. I agree. So would you, um, would you, would you, pal- would you, is, is Semyon's price more palatable for what he gives you than Seager two and a half rounds or yeah, two and a half rounds later. Oh, so you're talking fantasy here. You're yeah. Talking yeah. Real. Fantasy wise. Fantasy oh, wise. Uh, I mean, that's what we do here. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem is again, he's going from a really, really good lineup where he had like 115 runs and 102 RBI uh, to a, I mean, I know that they're trying to make it a better lineup, but you right. know, it's Semyon and Seager and a bunch of pieces and parts. So, you know, he's probably going to be down to like the 80 range in runs and RBI. Uh, and I, you know, 45 homers, I'm not counting on that. Cause that was a lot in Dunedin and Buffalo. Yeah. Right. So, you know, he hit 33 homers in Oakland. So let's say that was in 750 plate appearances granted, Whew. but let's say he can hit 30 homers. Um, I'd conservatively, you know, I think 30, he can maybe get up to 35, uh, steal 10, 15 bases. Well, maybe he can steal more because the Rangers want to run, but then again, they do he's run. Turning, he's turning 31. So, you know, once you hit 30 speed tends no. to wane. And he's, bit. he signed his big contract guys. Right. The narrative is they're not as motivated to, you know, extend themselves once they've secured that big contract the first year, especially. Yeah. I mean, that's the same for both of them, though. So, yeah, I don't know. I, you can't say neither. Which which would you pick at their price? God. And he's going 29th overall. 29. Yeah. Jesus. 29th overall. Seager 65. <sighs> I guess I'd still go Semyon and just, yeah, I think I'd still go Semyon. Yeah, I tend to agree because I'm I'm a lot more confident in Semyon's health. I mean, at least um, I'm getting some speed and I'm yep. more confident in the health. Um, and he's dual eligible. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just even though I could, you know, I can still get a really really good player at 65. Uh, that I, you know, where it you know, if I'm getting my picture there or whatever, where I'm, I'm, it's not, it's not late enough that it would be worth taking the later guy. I think. Okay. Fair. That is a tough question. It is. Um, Good one. Rangers. We said John Gray, four years, 56 million. Good place for him to land. Yeah. Um, Very good. You know, he, he was better in Colorado for the most part in his career, but a lot of that is likely attributed to the fact that he had learned how to pitch in Colorado and then leaving that, that, atmospheric condition and then utilizing a different method in all the other different parks likely was what kind of held him back. Um, as you mentioned, this is a great landing spot for him park wise. 
uh, bad offense, but should allow him to probably spread his wings a little bit. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not drafting for wins. You're drafting him for much better ratios than he got than he had in cores. And I think that will happen. I think that'll translate. Um, He's got that stuff to do it. Uh, My one concern is that when guys either when pitchers leave cores and when hitters go to cores, they get rammed up the board. So I think that there's going to be probably an overcorrection to the point where I'm probably not going to get any John Gray this year. Like, I think people are going to take him so high now that it's not going to be, it's no longer a value. He's at 315 right now and around 21. Uh, his min pick is only 287. Now he signed a few days ago. So probably yeah, only a couple drafts wait. that have come through, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I could see him getting into the 250 range, but I don't, I don't think that's cost prohibitive. Um, no, I think he's going higher than that. I think by main events, he's going to be in the like low two hundreds. You like, think that the John Gray stands will come back out, huh? But Jordan Montgomery goes two thirteen. I guarantee you, some people will be taking John Gray over Jordan Montgomery. He'll be in that same range. That's that's fair. I, I think Montgomery makes another step forward this year. He's one of my guys, but um, I mean, you I'll, know, you got all kinds of yeah. risky guys over here. You know, from. Enoa, who I'm not even yeah, expecting Enoa, much from this year. Quantrill's there. Quantrill, Sandoval, Sandoval. There's all Marquez, these. Guys. You yeah, know, Marquez is in Colorado course. guys. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's going to be in that 220 range by by March. We'll see. Okay, that's fair. Um, so wow, great time saying, to take I, him I, right now. If you're if you're doing a DC right now and you can get John Gray in the 300s, do it. I, I'm still. Wow, I just saw Zach Grinky and I was reminded of how low he's going this year. I can't. I can't fathom <laughs> that. 288. Uh, that's. I think he he's reached the point where his fastball is no longer effective effective enough to pitch. Wow, that that is so weird. It's really it's really bad, yeah. really really bad. He's he's not going to get by with those EFIS those EFIS balls. Uh no. Uh, Rangers brought in another stud, Cole Calhoun, to <laughs> to ramp up that offensive output. I mean, we don't need to say much about Cole Calhoun. He'll get some nope. at bats. He'll get some K's. Platoon he'll hitter. Throw, he'll throw out a couple guys from right field and all will be good. He'll get injured four times. Yep. Love that dude, though. Great right fielder. Um, the Mets. The story of the offseason thus far, I would say. Uh, other than the Guardians, of course. You know, we'll, we'll get to their blockbusters later. But um, I, I love the tweet that, that came out from the Mets uh, social media department. I mean, one of the few, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, it, was, it was one of the best tweets i've seen in a while of the i just love the vince mcmahon meme of him getting progressively excited when uh <laughs> when, when sable was in the ring in that in that one uh, i think it was trish stratus right oh was it oh, okay yeah it was, it was oh well sable after. brought her sable was like her her uh her handler that's i think that was what it was um but progressively signing eduardo escobar mark canna starling Marte, and then the coup de gras <coughs> of uh mad max at yeah, the end wow in like must a, be a mat, like a two day span tops. What was it? Yeah, like two that. or three days. Must be nice to not have a budget, huh? I mean, Cohen Cohen spent that money. That's for sure. After getting spurned by his lover Steve Matz's agent, he went <laughs> out and and just threw money at anything that had a had a modicum of baseball skill. To be fair, these are all good deals. Oh yeah, they are. I, I, I mean, like all of these deals. Yeah, I mean, the Mets got a lot better. 
And it's, I mean, my God, it's hard to admit, but yeah, Escobar they did. I mean, and they let Syndergaard years? walk and didn't pay him 20 million and, and got a draft pick from that too. So that's what I'm, that's, they've I had mean, a heck of an off season so far. They've had the best off off season by far. It's not close. I mean, <clears throat> Starling Marte is our boy. You know, we, yeah, we love yeah. him. We love his yeah, skills, except for his PED suspension in like 2016 that harpooned me, but <laughs> yes. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, as we know, you cannot carry biases. You have to let no, them go and no, start no. fresh the next year. It, I um, still, I'm still a little hurt from that. Though. I know you, you have, you have trouble with this. You, you don't change your mind as quickly as I do. Um, no, I don't oh, come on. I draft Starling Marte. I, no, I, I still have pain. <laughs> no, I, I draft know, Starling Marte. You, you don't change your mind as quickly as I do, but that's <laughs> not, that's not the reason. That's not the example I'm using for that. Um, but no, I mean, these are, these are all good deals. I mean, the Mets got a lot better and uh, you know, it's not a great park, but it's going to be a great offense. So having guys like, I mean, now with Escobar and Canna, I don't know how they fit in. I don't know wh- who's going to be starting and where they're going to be hitting in the lineup. Like they'll probably be hitting late in the lineup. Um, Escobar might be uh, like moving all around or they might make him the starting third baseman. I, f- I feel like <clears throat> it's going to be JD Davis gone. Escobar okay. will likely start a lot of the time at third. McNeil's maybe the super utility McNeil guy. McNeil bounces around and, and comes off the bench occasionally. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cano is back. We'll see what we I get mean, out of Cano. Yes or no. I if mean, they keep him. He already got removed from Winter League with a bad. Yeah. So oh, like, for real. Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I'm never going to be like, okay, Robinson Cano is going to stop people from, from getting playing time. That's I mean, fair. He's 39 years old. Uh, coming off of not having played for two seasons now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have the ability to platoon guys. I mean, they have Dom Smith, who's a lefty. Or no, he did play um, in twenty twenty. I forgot. Minimally, did he play the whole the whole shortened season? No, but almost two hundred plate appearances. He played more than I thought, and he had oh, three sixteen. Okay, he had three sixteen well, with ten homers. It goes so... to show how many shares we had of Robinson Cano. Yeah. Uh, um, that's, that's more than you I got. Thought. You got Nimmo there, who's an injury risk. Yeah. So what's uh, going? What are they going to? Uh, yeah, I don't know who's. Are they going to hit Nimmo? Are they going to keep him in leadoff? I mean, he's an OBP him? giant. So he is. When he plays, he probably but he has only to be faces. Up there. He only faces righties, though. They usually mm-hmm. sit him versus lefties. Um, yeah. I mean, you got and, uh, you got Canada that could platoon with him and then play yeah, other times. Maybe and then they'll you can slot yeah, JD Davis switch. in if they keep him. Yeah, maybe they'll switch places with each other. Canada leadoff versus. Or they can play McNeil low in the lineup against lefties. Good. I mean. I, I still think I mean Davis has probably gone to a to a team that needs a DH or right a bad a bad outfielder well, or, or they could have a DH and then they just use him as a true. DH. Well, they got Dom but, still. They got I mean they got they got a lot of options now. The problem um, is like Escobar looks like he'll hit at best sixth and mm-hmm. at worst could be like eighth. So yeah. um, and Canna not much more than that. Like maybe Canna occasionally leads off. Maybe he hits fifth or sixth. Um, but yeah, these look like maybe lower order guys. Yeah, I still if think Nimmo sits, I would think Canna would lead off. That's that's kind of what I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, and or Marte, and they put Canna second or something like that. Maybe, probably Canna honestly, because I think Canna let off a good amount this year. Um, but I for the you A's, know, yeah, he did. Marte hitting second in a lineup between Nimmo and Lindor with Alonzo and the rest of that lineup. I like that a lot. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, um, and I mean now now does speed age gracefully? I mean he. Right. He's getting up there. What is he? Thirty-five. I'm. I'm not. It's not loading. Load. Uh, no, he's uh, thirty-three. Thirty-three. Okay, that's not so. Yeah, bad. he just turned thirty-three. Okay. Well, it's not so. Terrible. 
I mean, he stole 47 bases last year. Like you could say he's not going to steal 47 again, but I mean, I don't think he's going to go down to like 25. I think he'll probably be the A's acquired him and he just ran. I know. And the rate, and we were, we were really like skeptical of him running with the A's because the A's don't really run. Yeah. They just Um, let him go. Yeah. Well, when, when, uh, when you're 47 of 52 and steals, you let him run. That's insane. I mean, he had his best speed output at age 33. 32. I mean, he was yeah. he was he was acquired in what what was it mid July ish? Yeah. He had 19 steals in August. Yeah, insane. 19 steals in a month. I mean, that's like Absolutely. Vince Coleman territory right there. Yeah. But then I think he slowed down because he only had 25 with them total. Oh, I just got my first advertisement for Guardians tickets ticket packages on fan graphs and it's oh, making, me, baby. making me clench my fists with anger at this <laughs> terrible logo well, we're almost there jake so we'll finish our thoughts here but oh. i mean um so obviously i think it's a it's a i think it's i don't know if it's a boost for escobar uh it's probably a lateral move for him um for canna mm, probably also lateral in terms of yeah bad parks to bad park i mean similar spot in the offense in the lineup you know escobar moves down it's probably moving he's moving down significantly in the lineup so it's probably a little bit downgrade all the time yeah um i think it's an upgrade for Marte. um and then let's talk about scherzer here because this might be too much i mean that's that's a high average value but it's a guy with man i'll tell you cy young stuff came back last year yeah yeah um you know he's he was healthy all last year Yep. Uh, for the most part, he did. He did have a little bit at the end of the year um, precluded him from pitching a couple times in the postseason. He had to bump back. But right. Right. I mean, 43 and a, and a third million. Wow. I mean, I, I that's that's insane. But you, they, they but wanted someone who's going to change the culture there. And who's yeah. Gonna, and it's you know, and it's worth it. If he, he gives you two that. great years, you can take that third year as a wash. I mean, right. that's I think that's the prevailing opinion. Of now, Mets fans and and non Mets fans. Now that rotation has a shit ton of injury risk in it, kind of like the Padres did last year. But and that's what's <clears> subtracting <throat> Syndergaard from it. You know, yeah, they've got Tywin Walker, they've got Carlos Carrasco, and they've got Jacob Degrom in there. So they're gonna they're gonna need some some more guys to eat up some innings. But if you're a Mets fan, you know, like our buddy Matt Williams is just so oh, sure. excited. I mean, yeah, he's that is a clubhouse like a, changing guy, right? Like there. he's on fire. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, I mean, you, you got Lindor who, who struggled with the spotlight. A little Lindor bit. should have a good year again. I, I think, Lindor I think, yeah. I mean, year. you got, you got some clubhouse leadership there now <clears throat> for um, sure. Yeah. That's a, that's definitely a culture changing move, as you said. But um, um, you know what the other thing is though, uh, and this is going to shock people, but I, I mean, Scherzer, I had concerns in 2020 going into 2021 because of his mechanics and everything. Yeah. I mean, the whip was high. I mean, granted, I he had I some back stuff sample. and we were thinking that was affecting right. him. Yeah. Right. But after coming back and proving now, granted, I don't think he's going to go necessarily 200 innings, but if he goes 170, 180 innings of elite pitching, I'm back in on him. I mean, I, I I'll take I'll, even being 37 years old coming off the season. He just had, he's clearly still, I mean, he's, he's, he's back. Like I had concerns with what I saw in 2020, I think rightfully so. And he, you know, was fine. So you, you take him over Bueller, I, you take him over Woodruff at the back end of the first. I have to think about it. Um, I have not done enough of a dive. I don't want to say for certain, but I could take him, I think even as high as one, I think it could be anything between one and five that I would take him. Okay. 
that's fair. You're not out on him like you were last I'm year. I'm not that's out on him main, like I That's was the main before. point. Yes. And because it, it wasn't just it wasn't just the age thing. It was it was that his mechanics were up. Right. He was saying that he could fix them. But guys always think that they can fix things. It doesn't mean that they can. Um, coming off the season he just had, he looks like he just went right back to being who he was before 2020. So he clearly found it. And uh, I, I'm 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 pretty convinced that he's going to be fine. Yeah. 2020, he did have some control. <clears throat> It was looking like chinks in the armor were finally starting to show, but then right, totally right. righted the ship last year. I mean, the walk percentage yeah. dropped drastically last year, and he was right. back to the same old stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I can see it. I mean, my gosh, it's it's hard to imagine drafting a pitcher that old that early, but, I mean, he's a horse, too. He, he, for the most part, he'll he'll give you those that 180 innings. Um, now, would, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying I will, because, like, I do love Burns, too, but... I mean, I think that there's a good chance that he wanted to go to a team that was going to let him stay in longer too. Cause he talked about how pitching all the time and staying in longer helped him like stay in this rig routine and everything. And he talked about this. So I'm thinking that he used that or that he, that was discussed with the Mets in signing with them. It's like, Hey, you're going to let me pitch when I want to pitch, you know, like, uh, even though it's the manager's call, if I if I'm telling you I'm good to stay and you let me stay. Well, and they are bringing in a a new manager, a, likely a first year manager who sure. is not going to hold the sway over Max pretty much at all. You would think, right? I mean, they're not bringing in some guy with a Hall of Fame persona who is. Going is there to carry, any scarier guy away. to try to yeah. take out of out of the yeah. game than Mad than Mad Max? I, I mean, mean, Garrett Cole's kind of up there, but yeah, Max is more intimidating in terms of his look. I would for say. sure. I mean, for sure when when those uh those duochromatic eyes come back at you duochromatic <laughs> or bichromatic i guess wow. is the word yeah learning new words all the um, time <laughs> i did take him i i mean i did take bueller and woodruff over him at the back end of the first and front of the second in the recent draft that i did i know you've seen that but i'll i'll put it out there for everybody uh i was not ready enough and i and that's even me that's fair taking my L on Woodruff last year. Um, yeah. I'm, and it, it's not why I'm taking him now. I, I was fully convinced last year that he was the pitcher. I didn't think he could be. So um, I, I did not take Scherzer the chance that I had two times. So well, I'll look into it, but I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to take a pitcher that old, even though he showed what he showed last year, but there's a lot of time for me to change my mind. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I just think I just think the K rate is mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. is the difference maker. Like Beeler, you know, I mean, our buddy John L uh, is talking about how concerned he is with with Beeler and the fastball, you know, the fastball, and I mean the three seven three Sierra uh, nine point two K per nine down from ten point three down from ten point six before that. Um, you know, he's talking about the RPMs on his fastball and all that stuff, and I I haven't really looked into that specifically, but obviously there's some concern there. Um, I mean, the, the results don't show it, but that doesn't mean that there aren't reasons to, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be out on Beeler, but I can't imagine putting him ahead of um, Scherzer. Uh, now Woodruff, Woodruff gets, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really have any concerns for me. Um, I don't know that his, his upside though is, well, he had two, mm-hmm. five, six ERA. So obviously really good, good, 10, 10 and a half K per nine. I don't think he has Scherzer's upside, but I can see taking Woodruff over, over Scherzer. I think that's, that's fair. I don't know that I would, 
but um, I think that that's more fair than than uh, Beeler. Beeler, I think I'm putting below. All right, fair enough. And that brings us to the blockbusters of the offseason. Oh, baby. Coming, I, you know, Cleveland I, wanted, Guardians. I wanted to put this last because, you know, the only team that can compete with what the Mets have done so far this offseason is what the Indians have done. Would, would you like to do the honors? Well, I think I think my tweet that I put out earlier kind of says it all. But, um, you know, when all these teams were going crazy and free, did you see my tweet, by the way? Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Absolutely. Yes. Do you? Okay. Totally. Yeah. So all these teams are going crazy in the hot stove and, you know, everyone's signing everybody. And I, my, my tweet was like, uh, can't wait to see uh, which DFA minor league cast off the Indians sign next. And then sure enough, like two days later, we signed Eniel De Los Santos to a minor league deal uh, to pair with our other major signing of Sandy Leone, uh, backup catcher extraordinaire. I mean, so, if, that, uh, if that doesn't sell the season ticket packs, listen, they're selling like hotcakes, baby. You better get them. You better get your tickets now. That's that's why they're pumping the advertisements in my uh, my Fangraphs feed. Oh boy, is there is there an owner out there that's more out of touch than than ours? Pirates, maybe. Um, he's he's in touch with his bottom line, and that is the only touch that he ever gets. That's very true. Yeah, I don't think I think zero fucks are given. That's right. Zero fucks are given to him or by him. <sighs> so nice. frustrating. And you know, it's just like it's cool to see all of our friends getting excited over their teams signing all these guys, but it's it's such a bummer, man. It's just like we had all the pieces to win a world and we almost did win a world series in 2016. Yeah. And even, we were an inning away again. Yep. Two times in our lifetime we've been an inning yep. away. I know. Um Man, that would have been that would have been just amazing. I mean, twenty sixteen we was already the year that the Cavs won too. Yeah, I mean, that would have been the two, most yeah. magical season ever. But it, even after that, we still had a team that was good enough to compete to win. Now we get, we didn't get back to the World Series again, but you know, we we had good enough teams to. But then they just gave up and they just stopped trying and uh, didn't put the right pieces around uh, our centerpieces. To even have a chance. And I don't know what the fuck they're doing now. I don't know if there's probably about a dozen minor league prospects that we have that are ready to come up at this point. I don't know if they're planning on just seeing what they have and going from there. But I mean, what's to stop them from dealing J-Ram? You know, like, seriously, what, what are we keeping him for? I, I'm preparing myself for that because there are a number of teams that could use his services and have the prospects to give up. And we have a lot of infield prospects waiting in the wings in the next year a ton year and a, a ton half. yeah yeah it's it's coming i think but we don't have any fucking outfield prospects other than uh valera that's it so i i don't know what what are you doing over there sorry dog was barking i i don't oh, okay. i'm not a fan of dogs on podcasts it bothers me so uh, I, I hear you <laughs> My dog's ba- baby's um, crying, dogs barking, yeah. all of the above. Not really a fan. You of know, <laughs> it, if it happens, it happens. But if right, I can avoid right. it, I'm going to try to avoid it. Okay. Um, well, I just so for those of you, I, I mean, I'm watching Jake. So he like he keeps like looking over like real quick. And I'm, I'm assuming he was yelling at the dog or something. And like then he got up and walked away. And I'm like, all right, am I just talking to myself here? Like what's, I, what, what's I muted happening? myself and I was trying to shush the dog. But he saw <laughs> something in the dark outside and he's barking at it like a madman right now. Um <laughs> I mean, when you have a, a team or a minor league system that's full of infield prospects, especially I mean, the Indians have a proclivity 
for bringing in shortstops. I mean, if you're going to draft, you yeah. know, high school and international signees, get athletes and then move them around. So I would imagine we're going to bounce a couple of those guys out there. Um, you still have Nolan Jones, uh, who's, you know, who's star well, actually, has kind of his waned, but. So what I was going to say is because I recently went through our minor league system, I was going to give a little bit of a rundown of what we've got coming up for those of you out there who are dynasty people or Indians fans, but we already saw Ernie Clement and Owen Miller and Yu Chang all come up this year. Uh, those are all like, you know, utility kind of guys. None of them are starters or anything like that. But um, Will Benson and Oscar Gonzalez are two guys who are both eligible to be drafted in the Rule 5 draft. I actually expect Oscar Gonzalez to get picked. I was really surprised we left him unprotected. He had 31 homers last year and was up into AAA, and he's an outfielder. Why the hell we didn't give him a shot last year, I have no idea, but probably going to lose him in the draft. So you mentioned Nolan Jones. He doesn't look like that. Like I have him closer to like our number 10 prospect than our, like he's not the number one prospect that he used to be. A lot of the shine has come off of him, but uh, yeah, he's a plate discipline guy and that's about it for him. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, You know, the power is, is okay. Steven Kwan is a guy who's interesting. He's a guy who could be actually right now. I think roster resource hasn't penciled in as a starter for us in the outfield. I expect the Indians to sign an outfielder, you know, like we did last year with like Eddie Rosario, like they'll probably give someone one or two years. Um, but Kwan is interesting. He has, he is a, a high average kind of guy um, who I think could, could put it together where he could be at the very least a fourth outfielder. If not um, could even be a, uh, starting outfielder i think like yeah. i want to see what he's got the door is open right now i mean oscar mercado did not pan out right um zimmer is and we don't know. have any outfield prospects it's pretty no. much Quan and gonzalez everybody else that we have is not close to coming up um brian lavastida is a really interesting catcher prospect that we have uh i think he's better than bo naylor uh offensively i don't know what his defense capabilities are and we know that the indians uh stress defensive catchers so I don't know what their plan is at catcher right now. Obviously, other than the great Sandy Leone and uh, Austin and Hedges. Austin Hedges. Oh man, yeah, our uh, our second highest paid player, Austin Hedges. Is that? Yeah, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> who, who pays their backup? Because we because we let Roberto Perez go. <clears throat> He's oh, our second God. highest paid player. <laughs> Unreal. Um, and then you mentioned our our middle infield guys. We've got three of them. Gabriel- Sorry, I'm not supposed to say our. I forgot. I got to watch my pronouns for when I'm rooting for my team. All right, I'm oh, wait, slap. I'm waiting, reading for the team. It's not my who, team. who, who is getting upset about this? <laughs> so, I, I don't even know who it was. It was, it who was some, some analyst that put that out there uh, or, or she, she was a, 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 a reporter or something. I don't know. I, I don't want to give credit. Is it to the it same it dumb. dumbass who's talking about the arm barn instead of the bullpen? I don't think so. No, that was, that was PETA. That wasn't, that wasn't a person that was PETA. Okay. Like, I'm all for, you know, if people, no, she, she said, she said you can tell a lot about a person by if they say I or, or we or our about their team or whatever. It was, it was what? meant to demean people who say that, like whatever. Yeah, exactly. I, whatever. What, how is that? How is that a bad thing? You're, you're, you're aligning yourself with your team. I don't under like what, how you're, I don't know. you're not I, allowed to have pride in your place of residence, I guess. I don't, that's stupid. I agree. And the Mainly funny thing because is, I do it. I can't say, I mean, like, 
I've said things at different times in my life, you know, like I used to say retarded and stuff like that. I don't do that anymore. Or, you know, when we were right. younger, we used to but say it's, that's it's not insulting to someone. We don't say that stuff anymore because yeah. we realize it's wrong. I don't exactly. understand how saying the like calling myself like identifying with my team. I don't understand how that's wrong. I don't, I don't think it was meant to say that it was wrong. It's meant to say that they're kind of like losers or something like that. Or, or they're, they, they, okay. they, uh, you know, they have a, they have a, a, a boring life or something that they have to that live vicariously through their team or something like that. Oh, I, I think God. that was the implication. Give me a break. It yeah, was okay. condescending. That, I think that's what it was. It was just, just straight condescension, but yeah. sorry to derail our, yeah, our totally dynasty that. or guardians dynasty discussion. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned the, the middle infield prospects and we have three of them. <laughs> Tyler Freeman is the one you're going to be. Yeah, Freeman. With. Yeah. We'll get him um, very soon. He's another guy like Stephen Kwan. You know, those guys put the ball in play. Those guys can have high averages right off the bat. They don't have a ton of power, but, you know, neither did Jose Ramirez when he came up or Michael Brantley. Like those exactly. guys developed over time. Or, or Lindor for that matter. Right. Those are the, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping these guys can, can potentially be um, on the high end. But even if not, I think that they're usable players. Um, there's two other guys who I really like Richie Palacios, a second baseman, and Gabriel Arias, the shortstop. Uh, Arias came to Arias us we from, just got, uh, yeah. Padres. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the Clevenger deal, I believe. Right. Yes. Um, Palacios is a guy we drafted a few years ago, but those guys were all added to the 40 man roster. Um, Arias Freeman, Palacios, uh, Quan, Lavastida, I believe, and Nolan Jones. I think they were all added to our, to our 40 man roster, uh, to, to avoid being eligible to be taken, uh, in the rule five draft. And I mean, like we always do, we have a ton of pitchers that could be coming up this year as well. Like Logan T. Allen, the good Logan Allen, the good uh, one. <laughs> Cody Morris, Peyton Battenfield, who we traded for, and Tobias Myers, who we traded for. We traded, we traded for Myers right before the Rule 5 deadline from the Rays. Uh, I like him a lot. And uh, Connor Pilkington, who I believe we got in the Cesar Hernandez deal from the White Sox. So we have a lot of guys uh, that can come up in our rotation. The one place that we don't have a lot coming up is our relievers. Um, oh God, this guy's we, last name, Nick McCulloch. Yeah. That guy is a stud, like potential future closer. Uh, although we have class A, so I don't know if they would replace him, but he could definitely be the next, like, you know, setup man, uh, Aaron Pinto and Robert Broom, who are both, um, guys who are eligible in the rule five draft. I like Aaron Pinto a lot. I would love him to start on the team. And Nick Enright is another guy who could be up this year as well. Those, so. are, those are candidates to go um, just because they're, they're more advanced in age. I would say. Yeah. I don't, yeah. 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 I, I, it would not shock me at all to see. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting Oscar Gonzalez to get taken for sure. Uh, guys like Jose Fermin, Aaron Bracho, maybe, but I don't think he's ready. Maybe Will Benson, someone will take a shot on, but I, I expect, uh, oh, Joey Cantillo is the other guy. We got him in, uh, I think maybe he might've been the San Diego. He was, yeah, a, he was in the yeah, area straight yeah, too. Yep. Um, he oh, did not. This one was, was in hurt. August. We didn't, we didn't trade Clevenger in August. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I don't know. We got him. We got him in a trade in this off season or in the middle of the trade deadline. Um, Cantillo is a guy who was expected to be really like uh, a really good player. The problem is that he missed a lot of time with an injury, um, but he's kind of advanced where they think he could be taken still. Uh, Adam Scott is another guy. We have a lefty uh, who could be taken as well. So 
and Aaron Pinto, like I said, I'm, I'm afraid that he'll get drafted. Him and, him and Gonzalez are the two guys who I think uh, the Indians or the Guardians really could have hopefully found a spot for that didn't. But we'll see what happens. But I expect them to lose a couple of these guys. But the bottom line is we, ha- we talked about for years how we had all these guys in the lower minors who were like we had the best lower minors in the, ma- in the major leagues, but our upper minors were trash. Well, now those guys are working coming their way up. up. Yeah, they're yep. they're in high A, they're in double A, they're in triple A even. Uh, and I think I think it's time to start seeing some of these guys and what they've got. Uh, you were right, by the way, on that trade. I keep forgetting the Clevenger deal was during that shortened season. I kept thinking it was early, but I forgot he was the the knucklehead, and then they traded him while he was not pitching for for them. Yeah, so, so it was, right. it was that was, it was all Arias the same and Cantillo and Hedges two, and Hedges. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, and uh, what's his face, Naylor as well i hardly know her mm. no he's not going to know the baseball field for a while either <laughs> that was bad okay was bad. um the last kind of elephant in the room is is something that i guess i don't know if we need to be that sensitive about it because it, the details have come out and they're kind of sketchy and weird and clearly there's a messy situation with marcelo zuna uh he, he is under contract with the braves for a few more years uh, MLB said that his time was served while he was not playing last year. Um, he only was given a 20 day retroactive suspension and he is eligible to play again next year. Should the Braves have him back coming off of their world series championship. And right after that announcement, he was kind of shooting up the NFBC boards, uh, towards the back end of round 10. I want to say, um, are you comfortable drafting Ozuna? Do you think that the Braves are going to plug him right back in there after the really messy situation, really over multiple years? I mean, he and his uh, spouse, I'm assuming it's his wife. I'm pretty sure it's his wife. They've, they've had a very storied legal battle against each other, physical, all kinds of stuff, you know, attacks on either side. It's messy. Um, are you comfortable taking Ozuna thinking he's going to play? Long I mean, question. yeah, I, I think he's going to play. I don't think this is like the Bauer situation. Like, I don't I don't expect Bauer to play next year. You know, right and wrong, right or wrong, I don't know. You know, I don't know that what Ozuna did was any, you know, better than what Bauer, did, you know, or, or less bad, you know, I don't know. And we don't really need to get into con- commenting on that kind of stuff. But I, I it it's possible that the Braves just simply don't want Ozuna, but I – that's not that I, that's not the impression that I'm getting, uh, but I don't know. Um, I obviously right now he's going like pick 360. I mean, you know, it's going to shoot the drafts. Up. The oh. drafts haven't finished yet where he was taken earlier, so okay. we don't know exactly. I, I'm pretty sure it was mentioned in our chat that he went at, right at like the end of round 10, right after the yeah. news came out. Yeah. So around 150 ish. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly where I would be thinking he would be going. You know, kind of in that that area where there's like those guys who, okay, these guys are clearly talented, but there's some question marks, you know, there's, I mean, that's where like Verlander's going. That's where Zach Gallon's going. You know, it's uh, where, um, you know, Glaber Torres is going. There's just, there's a lot of guys with question marks, but clearly there's also talent. And, you know, I think he kind of falls into that, that same kind of range. Uh, I don't know what to expect. Like he's, so volatile from year to year it's hard like one year he steals one year right. he doesn't one year he hits exactly. for good average one year he hits for a shitty average i don't know what you're going to get from him all i can say is like if you're at a point where it makes sense for you to take a shot on his upside i think it's worth it i mean he's he right now 
he's pretty much scheduled to be a middle of the order hitter on a really yeah. good offense. So I mean, they have Soler as a free agent, Rosario as a free agent. So one or both of them could come back in theory, but I, I wouldn't imagine. I would think Soler ends up back there. That's kind yeah, of he, the he's feeling a guy I that would you, get. He's Although their outfield would be horrendous. Defensively. <laughs> Ozuna, yeah. Duvall, and Soler. I mean, you oh. need a DH on that oh. team. <laughs> that's, that's pretty brutal. Ooh. There's no center fielder even close to that outfield. I was going to say. No, like, I, I take that back. Duvall's played center. He's not as bad. He definitely could play center. But the other two, no chance. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, defensively, it's not ideal. But um, yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say. But I mean, you know, he, his, he's someone you have to ignore the ADP on right now. I mean, it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna skyrocket from where it is right now. So yeah, I mean, it's clearly. it's cut in half. It's cut in half easily, if yeah. not more so. Yeah. And, and you know, if the, if we take the the field and spring training on time, and he's on that team, he's with everybody else. He's going to be up into the seventh round probably. Yeah. I mean, he was a fourth rounder last year ish. Uh, I don't know about seventh. I think maybe. Well, if he's going ninth. in the 10th and you get close. Yeah. Well, okay. Eighth, I, I guess for him to go eighth, up, others have to go down. So ninth. Yeah. I don't know. Somewhere in that range though. Um, I'd probably want to discount on him wherever I'd be taking him. If I was going to take him, I, I don't know. Yeah. He's a, uh, as he's, you said, he, he's a wild card. His production is. is all over the board. I've, I've taken him in the past and been happy. And I've also taken him and been very sad. Like last year in the TGFBI where I kind of was, shut out of guys I wanted and I took him in the fourth and I did not want to, but he was the guy I needed to take because he was better than everybody else. And we all know what happened last year. So I was just, um, I was out on him in 2021 because I just didn't know not out. I don't know, not out, out, but he was going way too high for me. I just, oh. for, for, for where he was going, I, I didn't, I didn't have a good enough handle on him on knowing what I'm getting from him to, to be comfortable taking him where he was going. Yeah. That was my only share, and it was I lost literally everything last year in that draft. It was bad, yeah. Um, but yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> we already did. <laughs> so, I, you've already, I think you've made it pretty clear in the past that you don't start drafting right away like many of us degenerates do. And I'm, <laughs> I just started my first draft a few days ago. I was, was gonna Monday. say with all with all of our friends that we know now, I don't think you can really yeah. consider yourself a degenerate nope, when you, when not you know John Fish and Zach Waxman. When I when I do a total of three draft champions, <laughs> and I I waited till after Thanksgiving this year, I made it. Um, do you plan on having a draft before, say, February this year? Probably, just because being in the industry, I feel like someone's going to be like, "Oh yeah, this draft is besides, besides your free one from." FPS. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, right, right. I'm, I'm saying even aside from that, I, I assume battle. Well, it's weird. Battle of the pods we were saying is going to be later. So, well, with the with the league on lockdown, you know, a lot of people might be waiting. So, um, <clears throat> if I had my druthers, I would like to wait until at least late January, if not early February, to start drafting. But I don't want to draft any of my big leagues until March. That's for sure. That's fair. I, I do three DCs. Um, I like to get them done before TGFBI will start mid-February. That's kind of even before I was in TGFBI, that was usually my structure. I wanted to get my two or three done before then so I can settle in and, and really look at, you know, how we wanted to tackle mains and stuff uh, in the auction and get that strategy developed. Um, do you like slow drafts? I mean, last year you did more than you've ever done. 
I mean, and they were they were your worst drafts, yeah, you know, performance wise. Did you yeah. en- do you enjoy? I mean, despite those results, is it something that you feel like you want to keep doing, or just is it not worth your time? Well, no, I lo- I mean, I always like drafting. Um, sure, uh, and I think with I've got financial my- implications, yeah, yeah. Uh, I expect to do a couple. Yeah, um, I I think. A couple minor tweaks and some better luck will will help me this. I mean, again, how do you start with three aces and be last in the RA? I I, I can't imagine yeah. that happening again. That was I rough. Just, it was. Um, you know, and and if if I can do, I mean, I did the beat less than Dave league and it filled in like a day. So, you know, there's a lot of people who wanted to beat me, <laughs> and half the league did, and they so, did. Good for them. Uh, you know, it's if you're gonna face me, uh, that is the way to do it. You you definitely want to face me in DCs. You, you know, compared to a Fab League, uh, as Jake is leaving me again, I assume to yell at the dog. So, uh, <laughs> my dog, my dog is a whiner. Oh, he's back again. Darn it. Um, I can't hear anything. Just continue. Yeah. But anyway, so That's I expect fine. to do a couple of DCs. Um, and I I'm hoping that you know if I can do another free $300 DC beat less than Dave league that I I'll, I'll do the shit out of that. So three, $300. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. I asked Derek and he was like, 400. You know, what was it? No, 400. It was a 400. Uh, I what think it was 300. It, I think it there's was no 300 DCs. Oh, okay. I guess 150, 400. 400. I don't remember, man. Okay. Fine. 400. Sure. Yeah. Cause you didn't pay. You don't remember. Yeah, exactly. That's so taboo. You can't bring that up. Everybody says, Oh, you didn't, you didn't put your money in it. So, you know, <laughs> So well, what if you lose? I I mean look, I've I've gotten very little perks in terms of financially uh for all the information and uh all the pods I've done and all of the tweets I put out, I've gotten nothing out of it. So uh, one $400 league I feel yeah. is fair. <laughs> Sometimes it's a thankless game. <laughs> it is. It is. Um you hope it gets you kind of something eventually. Um but Right now, yeah, not not really making any money off of this. So this is just for the love of doing it. Um, but when you play high stakes and you're sharing this stuff, you also realize that this stuff can be used against you. So, um, you know, I, I'm willing to put the information out there, but I, you know, I will take whatever financial gain I can get out of it at some point. I, you have to. Do uh, Well, I, I like to do a few. You know, I, I use them more as my prep or my, my impetus to start my prep in the first one, like I'm doing now, like I'm, I'm doing my first deep dives on players as they're coming up in the, in the few rounds after where we are. It scares me to think how long it would take you to get into this. If you didn't, if you weren't in drafts with money in the line, that's why I do it. I know because it It, would forces me, it would be like March 20th and you'd be like, all right, time to start getting ready for the draft. And I was like, you know, in like seven days, I'm like, Oh my God. I liked, I like this stuff. I I do like doing the deep dives, but, but it's, it's forcing me to make the time to do them. So in a way, because that's what you need. You need a kick in the ass. Otherwise you don't do shit. At least I'm honest with myself. I know, I know, I know my limitations. That's Um, good. So this does get my wheels turning and it gets me started. Uh, so it, it's why I have to start so early because right. it, it gets me more into it. Doing that first one makes me interested in, especially coming off of a year. And last, last year was such a hard for, year for me, as I've said on the pot already. Uh, I, I had to step back. This is the first year in a while that I haven't been jonesing like right after the season was over. I really needed to step back. So it's feeling good to get back into the swing of doing this again. 
it's uh it's got me excited again uh doing this pod and and doing this first league right now um but we'll talk we'll, about more about the yeah. league yeah the next time the future we, pod we record uh hopefully we're we're going at the at the solid clip of like two rounds a day right now, which is <laughs> god awful. I, we've been going since Thursday, and we just finished round nine. Or I'm sorry, we've been going since Monday. So it is Thursday night. We started Monday at noon. Uh, Zach Zach Waxman's in the draft with me. He's on the other end. He made a pick at five thirty, and he's like, "All right, guys, see you tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> he he already knows, and it's not going to get back to him because it's twelve thirty. And we're still not out of the ninth round yet. And he's at the front of the draft. So <laughs> he was correct. Hopefully he sees us. He gets to make a pick tomorrow. Um, it, oh, it has yeah. been really tough. We've had a couple real draggers in this. Didn't, in this didn't Zach say one time he was on the clock in like 30 different leagues? I, it's it's possible. <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, Brian Seymour would have had that issue. A few oh, times. yeah, probably. Or, yeah. or Derek Rhodes. You know, Derek those, Rhodes. Those, those best, those ball best balls. Yeah. Yeah, or or Heberlig in his online. <laughs> he has six OCs going at one time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how these fuckers do it. I mean, seriously, you're you're really. I mean, I have to fully, I have to fully you're hurting your ROI that. so much. Yeah, you're like you're gonna so make many of those leagues because they don't pay out that well if you just win the league. You gotta like, you're it. it there's diminishing returns every every single one you do of those more past a certain point, like. Well, that too, but I mean, you're also not really concentrating Focusing. enough yeah. on, I mean, it's like watching you try to do a draft. It's like, you know, just one. Yeah. I have, du- I have double drafted before How? I've, I've double drafted in football. Not you in can't baseball. even single draft. How do you double draft? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's, I why I need, that's why I need a co-drafter with me at all times. I, yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, like oh, to handle shit, to handle clock. when I have to when I have to you know get a, get a beer from the fridge in the garage, have and then, to and yes. then fall down he on the way back. Has yeah. to get up and take a walk around the living room and talk to the dog for five minutes between picks. <laughs> like these are not have tos, Jake. These are choose tos, and you need to eliminate them. <laughs> so you you had uh, a question that you yeah. got from one of our uh, one of your loyal followers that you you met at First Pitch Arizona. So yeah, our boy, our boy Woody. Yeah, so um, he was he was mentioned, you know, on the pod that we had Tony on uh, when we came back. Um, we talked about how we didn't have a game plan for picking fifteenth, and he was like, you know, what does that mean? Did you do you not have do you have a game plan for each spot? Because I think like he's not used to actually like, you know, gaming out. Okay, if I have this pick, if I have this pick, and the answer is yeah. Like I have very different targets, or not. Okay, in the first few rounds, because like a guy that I can get at the end of the first, I'm not going to be able, or at the end of the second, I can't get in the early second. So you have to change your targets. And like there might be shortstops that I like at one point and then other points I don't. So I have to change which positions and which resources, you know, resources being like steals or homers or saves or your aces. I have to switch all that around depending on where I'm picking because then I want to look at the pockets of who goes in those pockets around like, you know, around my picks so that I can figure out, okay, where can I get the guys that I want to target and what resources can I get when um, a lot of your later targets are going to be the same because like, you know, when you're talking about the last 10 rounds, it doesn't matter whether you're picking first right. or 15th, you know, yep. you're just going to be taking them whenever it's, it's the wild. It doesn't matter past round right. 20 at all. Even, even before that, honestly, maybe like it doesn't matter as much, but to a lesser first, degree. Yeah. In the first 10 rounds, you're using ADP to plan out your draft. You're, you're looking at 
where can I get the most resources and the most, the, those positions that I want to target and those, those target players, where can I get the most of them uh, from which, which rounds, you know, and I'm going through from every spot. Well, Tony and I were, you know, <clears throat> 15 was our last, our last priority. Like we wanted, we did not want that. So short of, but, but the way that NFBC does things, Woody, is there something called KDS, which is Kentucky draft, uh, Derby style. Kentucky Derby style draft, uh, where everybody puts in their order one through 15. So like, let's say I want the sixth pick the most, then I put six as my number one priority. And then let's say I want the second pick the most or the second most. Then I put two and let's say I want the 15th pick the least. Then I put 15 at the end of that. And you have to, you know, you put that whole list of 15 numbers in order of where you want them. And every other team does that. So the only way that I would get my last preference is if I'm picked last and everybody else wanted a different pick other than 15. Yeah. The also. odds of that are very slim. The Even odds in a of that year are where people don't like the back end of the draft. It's still slim that everybody would say they don't want 15 the least, or, or it right. would end up being past their preference every time because some people like being on the wheel and having two picks in a row. So it, well, it's, it was like kind of crazy that that happened. It depends on the year. And this was right. a year where we thought objectively there was a huge value difference between early, early to mid and then later picks like, like 13 through 15 were horrendous in our opinion. So we didn't want any part of that. And apparently everybody else agreed because nobody wanted the fucking yep. 15th pick. Yep. So that tells you all you need to know. The only person in the industry I know who wanted the 15th pick was Michael Govier. And I don't know why, but he loved the 15th pick. I, I, and hey, he had a good year. Um, and you know what? In my main event, the guy who got second place uh, was 14th. So he did well from that spot. It's not that you can't do well from there, but it's what game plan you're you're making that you feel comfortable with. And there was no game plan that Tony and I liked starting from 15. Or, you know, any basically, I don't remember what our plan was. I think it was story maybe in the first, which obviously wouldn't, wouldn't, didn't really work out great anyways. But um there just wasn't any start we liked from those 13, 14, 15 spots because the guys that came back to us in the early second, we didn't think were all that different than the guys that we could get at the end of the second. So, you know, you're not really getting because your your first round pick you're getting is way later at 15, like then like let's say you had the second pick. The guy from two to 15 is much better at two than 15. So the only reason it makes sense sometimes to be late in the first round to get that 15 pick is if you really like the guys that are that you're going to get at the beginning of the second round and we didn't think that those guys were much better than the guys who fell all the way back to the beginning to the end of the second round for those guys who had the early picks so that's what i meant by we didn't really we game plan for everything from you know early picks to middle picks we did not game plan for a, a bottom three pick because we just didn't think that, that would happen but it did and uh we had to deal with it and um, we didn't deal with it as well as we would have liked to. Uh, I mean, we got third in the league, which is not, you know, it's not bad. We got our money back, but you know, that's <laughs> coming off of two main event wins. That's never the goal to get, you know, just a place, you know, we're, we're looking to, to be in the top, you know, 20 teams overall. So we didn't, yeah. we, we fell short of that. Um, we should let everybody know also that when these 80 or when these, uh, the KDS is run, I don't know if you said it, it, it comes out five days before these drafts. Uh, so yeah. it's not like you're finding out at the draft table and you go, oh, shit, now what do right. we do? Right. It's not like you log into the Yahoo draft room and you, you get your pick assigned an hour before the draft. 
you have no. five days to prepare. So it's not like they, we flew to Vegas and you guys had no idea what you were doing. You, you know, you had to regroup, you had to yeah. spend more time going over things, strategizing as a team. So you definitely had a plan after yeah. you found out, you just didn't, yeah. you, didn't you weren't like prepared it. for being at 15, five days before the draft. So you had right. plenty of time to fix that. And you, yeah. you, you have to, I mean, you really have to come up with a plan when you're at a back end like that, just because you like guys that are going to go, you know, at the other end of a round and you have to decide, you know, do we want to plan our strategy around jumping this guy around to make sure we have him or, you know, should we acquire those skills later or earlier or what have you? I mean, so I, I think it talked about strategy uh, in season one of our pod um, and I kind of directed him towards those, but there's a huge difference in between drafting on one of the ends. So like picks one and two and 14 and 15 and to a lesser degree, like three and 13, those are on the ends because with the snake draft, you know, if you're picking 15, you're also picking 16. If you're picking one, you're picking then 30 and 31, but there's 30 picks between your picks. If you're on either end. So when you're drafting from an, okay. When you're drafting from an end, you have to just get your guys. Like you have to figure out which targets you want. And then you have to just get them because with 30 picks in between, so many guys are going to go. You can't value draft like you can in the middle. If you have a middle pick, you can see whatever falls to you and then take that whatever falling value is there because you know that it's not going to be a super long time before it gets back to you. There's not going to be a huge run that you miss out on like closers or something during. Um, There's just so many things that drafting on the ends is just, it's a completely different beast. You have to, uh, attack it very differently because you can't miss out on guys. Like if, if I don't take my targets, if I just say, Oh, well, this guy fell, but then I was planning on taking my closer here and then I don't take my closer. And then it comes all the way back 30 picks later and like 10 closers go. Now, all of a sudden I am in a completely different area where now I don't know if I can get the closers that I need. So it's just, you have to have game plans for different parts of the draft and you always have a strategy going into the draft. If you don't, in my opinion, you're going to lose. Like you can't just go into a draft and say, I'm just going to take whatever guy I want to take, or I'm just going to take the yeah, best yeah. player available. BPA doesn't work in, no. in high stakes snake draft 15 teamers. Correct. Yeah. So you, you absolutely need to strategize what, what resources can I get? I always start at the back of the draft and I say, okay, tons of power here. I can get my power later. I don't need to worry about that early in the draft. I want to get my steals. I want to get my average high. I want to get my aces. I want to get my closers. I can wait on power. Um, if there's like an inordinate amount of first baseman and, and outfielders, I can wait on those. You know, you want to be putting yourself in a position where you're drafting the things that are the best things in the draft at the time. So like if there's a lot of value in outfielders and first baseman later in the draft, you don't want to have your outfield and first base filled because then you can't be taking those. So then you're going to be taking pitchers where you want to be taking hitters because you didn't get your pitchers earlier so you just want to position yourself so that you're getting the things that you that are the best values in the draft at the time that they're going when they're going so that's how we kind of look at when we're making our draft plans we're starting from the back moving forward and looking at those pockets and seeing okay these are the adps that these guys go in the range of who can we get here if we don't get them what backup plans do we have because like if our whole draft depends on getting this guy here, then I need to take him there. And if I don't get him, what's my backup plan? So, um, yeah, hopefully that that answers your your question a little bit there. And then 
because he was saying that he just usually you don't get your like you said you don't get your uh draft slot until the day of well in nfbc we do we get it we get it ahead of time unless it's like a late filling league that they're trying to get filled and it happens that it just fills in the last day that that the draft's occurring on but other than that you always get uh a few days advance notice so that you can kind of plan it out a lot Um, of these draft champions they start or the kds is drawn 30 minutes after they're filled so when you're doing these these 150 400 dcs if there's not a concrete starting time for them, if it's just when league fills WLF on the, on the lobby, on the signup page, it will start right away. So if you're joining it, when it's 12 out of 15 people, you set your KDS immediately because it will get drawn a half hour after it fills. And chances are, if it's at 12 people, it turns red on there, which means it's close to filling and people are going to jump into it. If, if they see it to be a, a, a league that they're, they're amenable to joining. Um, so yeah, in DCs you don't have the advance notice. If you're putting, you know, five hundred plus on the line though, or seven fifty plus or whatever it is, even the OCs, Dollars. OC yeah. OCs all have time on them as well. The three hundred fifty dollar OCs. OCs are online championships. Online championships. So those those you'll have advance notice of as well. The five days. Any high higher stakes league in NFBC you'll have advance notice unless there's a a stipulation like the uh, the MTM Ultimate League in uh, New York City. Where they MTM draw is they, Mike they, the Mouth. <laughs> all these acronyms. He, well, he you're 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 throwing yeah, you're all right. these acronyms out you're there, right. and they, right. they don't know this. Stuff. No, that, no, you're that's fair. Um, they draw the KDS at the table for that draft, but right. that's that's a unique situation. Most most are not like that. Yeah, screw so, that. <laughs> there you go, Woody. Yeah, I know. You you it, it's I mean, it, you can improvise. Obviously, you know if you've done enough drafts and done enough research, you can improvise, but. When you're putting that kind of money on the line, I like to be a little more certain of what I'm going to do beforehand, or at least what I think I'm going to do. You have to you have to have certain targets, and then you have to know if I don't get these targets, what what can I get later? You know, you always have yeah. to have that in in the back of your mind. Is okay if someone falls that I wasn't expecting to fall, and I was planning on getting my my first closer here, I can no longer. So I'm taking someone else instead of my closer. What then is my closer possibilities after that? And Sometimes I have to just pass on the guy that falls to me and say, well, even though this looks like a good value here, I know that I need this guy here. So I just have to take him, you know, like you, you have to be disciplined in your drafting. You can't just, this is going to go against what Jake believes, but you can't just fly by the seat of your pants and say, well, this guy fell. So I'll just take him here. Not in a, not in a $1,700 league. Right. If you want to do that in a hundred dollar league, well, everyone's, everyone's, you know, different. So for some people, a hundred dollar league is a lot, you know, um, I'm, I win enough leagues that for me, it's, it's not a problem to enter these because I know I'm going to make my money. Uh, but for people who play more casually, you know, they don't, you know, they can't, they can't guarantee that they're going to win enough hundred dollar leagues that they can just, you know, enter that and, you know, have that disposable income for. Yeah. So there's, there's something to be said also about, I mean, knowing your drafts a lot ahead of time. It's also about knowing who else is drafting around you ahead of time. Cause we do enough drafts. We listen to enough pods. We talk to enough people in the industry and on Twitter that, we kind of have an idea of what people we know or have played against before like to do or players that they tend to gravitate toward or things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, game theory, a lot of, uh, you know, understanding people's tendencies from, from experience, from prior experience that, that can play a role in that as well. Yeah. If if they're drafting, if they're drafting close to you and you know that they always take, you know, 
if you look at Casey Cha's drafts, he always drafts the same guys in the same rounds, pretty much. Like he doesn't vary up his his players. Like it's pretty much the same guys that he relies on in all of his leagues. So um if you're gonna draft with him and you know how he drafts, then you know who he's gonna take where pretty much, uh, with very little variance in it. So um, yeah, there there is some of that that gamesmanship theory there. If if you if you can pay attention to all those things going on at one time, like you're on the clock. You're looking at your own team. You're looking at who's going off the board. You're trying to keep up by crossing all these names off the list. And then you're also going to add on top of that, trying to keep track of what other teams are doing in your league might be a bit much. It depends on, you know, this is why it helps to have a, a co-drafter though. Cause this is usually where I have Tony, you know, in my ear telling me, Hey, uh, you know, Casey Chaz is going to take uh, El Tuve in the fifth round. So if you want him, you got to take him here. So, you know, stuff like that, where you got to, you, you have a, a co-drafter drafting with you to help you out who can kind of help you, know that kind of thing but uh do you think i explained the other st- I, don't, I don't know it felt like no that's kind of that's good. Earlier, we, but... we we had a lot of detail in there but i think i mean even listening to it a second time it'll, that'll be plenty that's, okay i think sufficient um okay. all right very good excellent show uh a lot of fun i mean this like you said early on not going to be a lot of player movement news for us yeah. to discuss so we wanted to just put a pot out there that puts it all in a nice package for everyone um, and then answer Woody's question at the end. Uh, thanks for joining us for this one. Uh, it is now Friday morning. So hopefully if you're listening to this on Friday and you like it, you can give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, what have you uh, review. Does Stitcher uh, do ratings? I, I, one of them does Spotify. I don't remember. I, okay. I don't know, whatever. I, I don't use them. So <laughs> if, okay. if the ratings help on there and you can do them, please do it. Yeah. If not, please you do. know, don't break your back to do it. Uh, subscribe to the pod, share it to your friends. Um, even, even somebody that's just getting interested in fantasy baseball. Uh, Cause we are, we're going to tailor, we're tailoring a lot of our stuff to high stakes. Um, but we're going to be doing a lot of strategy stuff that can be applied to just about any kind of league that you're going to do. So we got We'll have a, obviously our auction strategy stuff. Um, we're going to be doing DCs, all of us. So plenty of that. We're also going to be bringing on, uh, we have we have some some guests that we're looking to bring on uh, as part of the NFPC community, not necessarily the the fantasy industry community that we want to get involved to and and give some of their insights in the yeah. coming weeks in this off season. So that's stuff we have in the works for you coming on through the winter. To, and to uh, for those of you who are cold lockout, yeah, for those of you who are looking for more strategy stuff, you know we we have a lot of episodes that we put out in the previous years that uh, are still evergreen, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. the same strategy yeah, off stuff season stuff you guys yeah. are looking for roster construction, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Just look back in the show notes uh, or the, uh, the blurbs on the, on the different episodes, uh, these off season episodes, we, we do tons of strategy stuff that is evergreen, as you said. Yeah. Um, but it's lots uh, of stuff you can apply to many years. We don't, we don't really focus on, uh, you know, players individual player details and stuff like that or, or even news like we touch on stuff usually this time we had a lot of news because of the fact that there was just this huge bonanza and we had to we had to cover it you know we had to give our our, our thoughts on it. and it helps us kind of develop figure out what we think about players like before i started looking into these guys i didn't know that i was going to be in on scherzer array you know to the degree that i i think i might be this year so um you know it's it's good to get those juices flowing and to get back into things. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully helped you guys too. And, uh, but yeah, for anything strategy related, I highly recommend our older episodes because we've covered a lot of stuff there that it's still very applicable uh, now. Yep. Uh, check out uh, the SP streamer 
draft guide, which is now in pre-order stage, uh, that Dave's strategy section is a part of again this year. Uh, the the eloquently written strategy section. Uh, you can look at spstreamer.com to see how to pre-order. It's very easy. Just have to uh, send a little bit of cash on PayPal over to Michael Simeone and he'll or just ignore when it's released. Or just uh, annoy Michael uh, and, and keep asking him where, the, where you send the money to. That also works. <laughs> but it's to be released in mid-February. Is that right? Do you know? Mm. Yes. Maybe. Sure. After the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think, I think that's like that. that. I think it's yeah, I believe Bowl. it was right after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So get that pre-order in because it's only five dollar. Thanks for joining us today. Where can we find you on Twitter, Dave? Uh, you can find me at run D McD. Add that D. D. Yeah, and yeah. then you can also find me on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast with uh my other co-host Justin Mason. Um, usually Mondays, I believe. Uh, we had to reschedule tonight again uh, for Michael Govier's uh, second part. He was on for the part one where we just went over news. Uh, the second part is where we actually talk about, you know, some, uh, some, some stuff in the fantasy industry and, and about him and everything. So I'm really looking forward to that, that pod. Uh, that'll be Monday now. So okay, you're back to regular. Time. I am not. Yeah. I'm yep. not doing five straight hours of pods with you and then Justin and Michael after. So they yep. decided to wait until Monday. So yeah, we'll, we'll do that Monday. Yeah. Luckily for you. All right. Yeah. You can find me at the dust mite on Twitter. Thanks for joining us guys. And we will see you next week. Bye.